This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Happy Monday morning to you. A whole new week. Mm-mm. Man, have we got a great uh, show for you today. Interesting stories we'll be talking about throughout the three-hour show, uh, Cronuts. They've, uh, they're, they're, you know, they're the donut croissant mix. And interesting stories. Plus, they may be advertising for the show. Really? Yeah. Nice. They're really into us. Are we going to have some free samples? No. Mm. It's not as cool then. No samples, but uh, we, we you will hear some promos. All right, it's it's fantastic. We'll get to that. Plus, Joe Cannon's going to be uh, with us today, talking about politics as as usual. And today, we also will be doing a tribute to a lot of the presidents you don't hear about. Mm. We call them the mediocre presidents. Great little song that'll be coming up about mediocre presidents. You always hear about the really powerful presidents, right? You always hear about Lincoln, right. Washington. Sure. You know. CNN's going to be doing a special on almost presidents. Oh, really? Yeah. Sounds almost interesting. Sounds like a time filler for CNN. <laughs> <laughs> Here's some people that came really close. You'll almost want to listen to this, just like these people almost became president. We'll get into that. Plus, uh, Donald Trump is... He's questioning more release of more records for Hillary's health. And Granted, she, we have one page in four paragraphs yeah. that a guy apparently wrote in five minutes as a limo waited outside his office. He was in a hurry. But it did validate the fact that Donald would be the healthiest president to ever take office. That's what ever. The guy, that's what the guy in said. In the history of all mankind. Yeah. That's what the mad scientist said. Do you see the pictures of this gentleman? Yeah. yeah. You ever see Independence Day? Yeah. There's a mad scientist working on the alien question. It's kind of deranged. <laughs> Is it like this? kind of looks like that doctor. guy. It was data from Star yeah, Trek. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like, wow, they, I've seen that guy before. Where That's was right. that? You need, you, need a, you need a mad scientist here and there. So we'll get to that. Plus um, just other incredible insights, many of which might matter. Hmm. Maybe. We'll approach a importance. Few, few probably won't. But, you know, we don't, want, we don't want to dissuade you from listening. All of that uh, up uh, this hour on the Matt Townsend Show. But first, let's get to Sadie Nielsen with the headline. Sadie, what's up? Republican National Committee Chairman Reince Priebus on Sunday declined to attempt explaining where his party's nominee stands on immigration. Asked by NBC's Chuck Todd whether Donald Trump is undergoing something of an evolution on the topic, Priebus deferred, promising that Trump himself would be giving prepared remarks on this issue sometime soon. Trump has a speech on immigration planned for Wednesday. A bus carrying volunteers to flood-stricken areas of Louisiana crashed into a fire truck on Sunday, killing two and injuring 30 to 40 others. The fire truck had been stopped at the scene of another wreck, and multiple firefighters were outside of the vehicle when the bus of volunteers struck them. Some of these firefighters were knocked off an overpass and into the flood water below. Neither the bus nor its driver were properly licensed. 
Um, in Donald Trump news, as you said, Matt, uh, he has challenged Hillary Clinton Sunday to release deco- detailed medical records and said he would have no problem releasing his own. I think that both candidates, Crooked Hillary and myself, should release detailed medical records. I have no problem in doing so, Hillary, Trump tweeted. The Clinton campaign did not immediately respond to a request for comment. And finally, in your post-Olympic news... British Olympians returning from Rio found themselves faced with a challenge as daunting as the games themselves, identifying their luggage. Each oh, yeah. Of, oh, yeah. Each of the Olympians were given a large red duffel bag, so to locate a bag out of 900 other red bags proved a difficult task. Alex Gregory tweeted, has anyone seen my red bag? With a picture of him looking perplexed in front of hundreds <laughs> of identical red bags. Oh, man. You, you think that they would have put name tags? You think they would have. Eh. But even name tags, you have to look at every bag until you yeah. find your own. That's why I always like to tie a pink ribbon around my bag. Mm. Then you always know. Sadie thinks. Then you'll always know it's your bag. Oh, there's my bag out of the sea of red bags. Mine has the pink. <sighs> you think they fixed that. Come on. <laughs> you think someone would go, wow, 900 bags. Is this going to be concerning? What's going to happen when you have 900 bags at the airport? Yeah. Mm. You just got to go through each bag. Yeah. And then if you find a bag that has better stuff, <laughs> I, yours. This one's mine. This one has a gold medal in it. I'm out of here. Take it. Did you watch the VMA Awards? No. Me either. Yeah. The Video Music Awards. I, I missed that. I've seen some brief reports, a couple video GIF type things. and eh. Kanye talking about Kanye. Yeah. What happens? I guess Beyonce killed it. Mm, she does normally. You know. I... She does, but then everyone like confirms that she does, and so it kind of double impacts that it's like it was double even better. Yeah. Is that still broadcast on MTV? And yeah. if so, why? Why not? Well, they don't show music videos anymore. They do on like MTV2, and now they took over VH1 and flipped that into a music channel. So it's all there. Yeah. But they show award shows. Plus, you know, they started it. It's their thing. They have a moon man. <laughs> they started it. Yeah, <laughs> they started it, Mom. Hey, I spent a lot of time playing tennis this weekend. Okay, and my body's really sore right now. Mm. So, did you stretch beforehand? No, a little yoga. Didn't stretch beforehand. Mm. Didn't stretch afterhand. But mm. uh, I've been stretching every day since. <laughs> <laughs> kind of rough on the body. We um, we got to get to you know it's like where do you begin with Donald? Donald is going to deliver what he says will be a major speech on immigration. When's Apparently, that? what his third, fourth, yes. fourth major speech on immigration. On immigration, does he keep clarifying? Yeah, apparently, because apparently from the things I saw this weekend, a lot of people are confused. A lot of people are confused. In fact, Joe Scarborough has a brand new nickname for Don about his immigration policy. Amnesty Don. And a lot of people are calling him Amnesty Don. People are saying. People are saying it. People are saying it. They're calling him Amnesty Don. <laughs> Amnesty Don. Hashtag Amnesty Don. Am Don. For 14 months, Amnesty Don has been putting illegal immigration at the center of Amnesty Don's campaign. And yet, nobody in Amnesty Don's own campaign can tell you what Amnesty Don's position is. So, do you think Amnesty Don will stick? It will with Joe, apparently. Now, they started the whole, a lot of people are saying it. I've seen it. I've seen it in a lot of different places. A lot of people have like said it. The kind of thing that Trump will say. Right. That's it, like when they tried to get the OC to stick. No. <laughs> yeah. That didn't work. It's 
the problem with it is he's Donald has confused everybody because do you hold on? I thought he was the guy building the wall that was going to get rid of 11 million, you know, right. Hispanic Americans. And yet all of a sudden, well, Hispanics, not Americans yet because they wouldn't they're not here legally. They he would argue. But then comes in the kinder, gentler Don that makes it sound like there's going to be some form of amnesty. Mm-hmm. But let's let him explain it. Who better to explain it for him than his spokesperson, Kellyanne Conway? Immigration is a very complex issue. So if I may just talk about the six or seven tenets of his plan. Whoa. First, there is still no amnesty. Check. Secondly, he's building that wall. Okay. Third, we have to end these sanctuary cities. Next, he has said that he will enforce the law. That's a novel concept in Washington, D.C., where they just like to layer law on top of law and never enforce what we have. For those 11 million, if that, in fact, is the number, he wants to address that issue humanely and fairly. Those were his words. And he also said that he wants to not cause harm to people. So the question is what to do. He is not talking about a deportation force, but he is talking about being fair and humane, but also being fair to the American workers who are competing for jobs, being fair to all of us who want secure borders and want right. the law enforced. Wow. Yeah. You know what? I say Kellyanne Conway for president. Or, or at least spokesperson. Man. She was just concise. Did you see that? She yeah. just went right down the list. Well, do we really need another major speech? Yes. Well, just let Kellyanne talk. Well, he has to kind of... How are you going to build the wall? President Obama uses his spokesperson a lot. He does. Hillary Clinton hasn't really had to no. speak. She's like, just I'll just hide over here and we'll see what he does to himself. <laughs> wow. So far, that's worked. We'll it's working see. great. We still have, uh, what, at least two months here Yeah, that uh, things can happen. And, uh, 71 can days yeah. until the election. 268 days since Hillary Clinton held a press conference. Huh. Lucky. Hey, uh, here's another clip, uh, if you're still confused, about Amnesty Dawn. (laughs) Um, Here's a clip of Pence, Mike Pence, Trump's running mate on immigration. Nothing has changed about Donald Trump's position on dealing with illegal immigration. He put this issue at the center of this presidential campaign in the Republican primaries. And his position and his principles have been absolutely consistent. We're going to secure the border. We're going to build a wall, have a physical barrier. We're going to enforce the laws of this country, end sanctuary cities, uh, implement E-Verify. And we will have a mechanism uh, for dealing with people in this country that you heard the word humanely again. It's going to be fair. It's going to be tough. But there'll be no path to legalization, no path to citizenship unless people leave the country. He said that very consistently. Well, he also said the opposite a couple of days ago. Yeah. But, I mean, what are you going to believe? What he says or what he says? And then he's consistent. But then what happened, like, it was like Friday, I think, is when he mentioned that there may be a possibility for uh, some pathway. Yeah, the pa- a pathway which some would call amnesty. And so then people start asking about it. And they're like, no, 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 no amnesty. No, so we don't mean we... that. And the whole deportation force, he said in November on MSNBC, that they said, so you will have a deportation force. He's like, yeah, we'll have a deportation force. And so now that's just a mechanism. It's not an actual law enforcement arm. But again, Mike Pence and Kellyanne Conway both understand the policy Mm -hmm. and have stated it, you know, eloquently. Says who? (laughs) Just me. But it's 
there you have it. It's not what Donald said. It's what his new people are saying he said. Okay. I mean, if that makes sense. No, but okay. <laughs> there is not a there's not a pathway, except he said there was, but it doesn't exist. Yeah. Anymore this week, it is Friday, but not Monday. Yeah. Because he's not Amnesty Don, as Joe Scarborough likes to call him. Amnesty Don. Well, he's saying other people are calling him that, yeah, too. Yeah, not just – not yeah, other people. And now, because we've used the word – Amnesty Don? Yeah, then Joe Scarborough's claim is technically true. Yeah. Other people have actually said this. Yeah, it's a good point. But Don's not the only one that's kind of double-talking, right? Hillary, Oh, she's still trying to talk her way out of the emails, the meetings, the – you know, yeah. behind the door, behind the scenes deals, supposedly. I, I put this, this is uh, what, the new DNC interim chair. Yeah, Donna, Donna Brazil. Brazil. Now, she doesn't do a a really good job here in describing this. Okay. And she says it's because she's distracted by the uh, DNC hack that happened before the convention. Oh. It's impacting her ability and to so explain this. So she's still doing that. So, yeah. Yeah, this is, this is good. The way I, I look at it, I, I've been a government official. So, you know, this notion that somehow or another, someone who is a supporter, someone who's a donor, somebody who's an activist saying, I want access, I want to I want to come into a room and I want to meet people. I, I, we, we, we often criminalize behavior that is normal. And it, I don't I don't see what the what the smoke is. OK, so yeah. th- this is so. the she doesn't see what the smoke is. This yep. is this is standard practice. Well, there is the argument that because uh, the the accusation is Hillary Clinton met with all these people. They yeah. happen to all donate to the foundation. Just, yeah. So then the question is, would a secretary of state not met with these people? Right. And the, the, an, the answer she, is each of the, those people are on in a position that the secretary of state, whoever that person right. would have been, would have met with these people. Except. But then there's this conflict that they also donated to your family's right. campaign. Just family's for hundreds charity. of millions of dollars. Right. But then, then there comes the, the 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 question: Did they receive any failure or, or favors? Favorable. Was any policies adjusted and changed because of a meeting? Well, and there's no, you know, smoking gun. If you want to say that, except there way. was the one guy who donated that then was put on the nuclear commission that knew nothing about nuclear weaponry. <laughs> And or policy. If you start looking at uh, half of the ambassadors for most of the countries, right. they don't even speak the language of the country right. they're representing. Right. So it's fine. But they did donate. And the weird thing is, for something that wasn't that big of a deal, she's already said that it won't happen as president, which seems like something you wouldn't need to say if this is just standard practice. And Bill Clinton has said they're not going to take donations when she's president. Yeah. We'll shut that part of it down. Well, and this was something apparently President Obama was worried about with her in the first place and had her sign that agreement and you're not going to do any of this. Right, and then they also disclosed who donated and with how much and that's actually what they're using is this list to come back yeah. and question her. So she's probably kind of mad because she tried to play by whatever rules were set up to be Secretary of State. Right. Now those rules are coming back to bite her. Isn't that weird? It's kind of fun. I mean, it's like of the millions of people, what there's 370 million people in the United States. Right. We've got two running for president, not really fully liked by either side. No. And just seems kind of mediocre. There seems to be a lot of non 
politic, non, like what's the future of our country type stumbling blocks that keep coming up as being the topics of discussion. Yeah. We're going to ask Joe about that because Joe will know why why is this happening? Why <sighs> can't we really, really, we can't find any other candidates. I mean, it's too late now. What's happened to the system that you're not getting the the best out there? Hmm. Joe Cannon's up next, folks, our Washington insider. We're talking politics, hopefully helping you see the good in the world. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back. When you hear Bob Dylan, you know it's time to think Joe Cannon. Two that go hand in hand, especially, well, really only on this song. Political World and, oh, and a few other uh, songs that uh, that uh, Joe loves from Bob Dylan. Joe is our Washington insider. He uh, He is a good friend of the show, and we just like to pick his brain and find out what is going on. In the world of politics, uh, he was he currently is the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation, which you can find at fuelfreedom.org, which is an organization that's trying to lower our fuel costs here in the United States. But Joe also was a past Republican Party chairman for, in the state of Utah, also was a candidate for U.S. Senate, served in the uh, Reagan administration, and uh, was an editor of the Deseret News, which is a, an Intermountain newspaper, a large newspaper, well-respected paper here in the West. So uh, we like to pick his brain. Joe Cannon, thanks for being with us today. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. How was your weekend? It was good. It was a pleasant weekend. It was nice weather, and it was just good. Good. Did a lot of, did a lot of chores. And... Attaboy. That makes everybody happy when you're out there cutting the trees. Hey, uh, Joe, talk to us about um, – here's my question, because what – why can't we get – you know, uh, a, a candidate that people love. Like, what happened to the good old days where you'd you'd have somebody that was really respected, revered, loved, and care, and and just knew we all knew that they could do the job. Or two candidates, heaven forbid, that would go to head to head, and man, either one of them could have been president. It, it just seems like we're we're I don't know scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Wow. Uh, it's such a tough thing, isn't it? It's so yeah. it's so depressing. I mean, I talk to my Republican friends and my Democrat friends, and the, the level of disenchantment is so high. I mean, people are basically sticking to their parties. Yeah, it's more party, have, isn't it? They have to. Yeah, yeah. Because they have to. You know, they figure, well, our overall ideology or philosophy is X, you know, Democrat or Republican, and uh, so we just have to go. So you have, you have, you see, to be fair, you see more of this on the on the Republican side, the war between people who say, look, Trump's not Hillary, therefore you have to just go for Trump. Right. And a, and a sizable number of people saying, no, uh, <laughs> uh, it's now it's a bridge too far. I can't, I can't go there. So it's it's a little more of that. On the other hand, on on the Hillary side, she's Still not mustering 
I mean, her overall average is in the in the forties still, not right not above. So you have a, a chunk of undecideds out there, bigger at this point than in, in most for sure than in, in 2012 and 2008. Yeah, a, a bigger chunk of undecideds going into the, uh, the you know the stage. You know, we're roughly ten weeks out from the from the election. Mm. Is so there is. I, I don't know how to answer your ultimate question. I mean, I, I mean, uh, uh, most of the blame falls on Americans. We've, we've, uh, maybe later in the show we can talk about it. But there, there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of different indicia of decline uh, of our, of lots of things: of morality, of public participation, of civility, of education. Hmm. Uh, you know, illiteracy. I, I just think, you know, one of my heroes in life is my great grandfather, uh, George Buchanan. Mm-hmm. He, he had, you know, minimal elementary education and no higher ed, no college, no masters. And yet you read his writings of which he wrote millions upon millions of words and books and articles and, uh, uh, and he was brilliant. And I, and I would say that because I know him, but, but mo- most people, Abraham Lincoln, you know, had you know very little formal education, uh, and and yet they were titanic in their intellect. Mm-hmm. And today we have universal education, and it's very <laughs> tough to look at titanic intellectuals in public life. A and more, and just in general in our own in our own life. Look at look at what television appeals to and. It's just, it's kind of discouraging. So at one level, maybe we're getting what we deserve. Interesting. That's true. And in fact, um, I mean, it seems like you you have a reset of, I mean, it's, it is. It's Clinton, Clinton, Bush, Bush. Why And why are we only down to a few families that are able right. to break through this? This And I guess I guess some of what you're saying is it's, we need to become more literate politically, more literate and more... You know, moral, more centered, more more healthy as a as a country first. Yeah, no, I mean we uh, we are not very high on the virtue scale. No, it's uh, it's true. Did you hear and you read? I'm sure about Hillary Clinton's alt right speech where she talked about the fringe right, uh, the radical right fringe. Um, what what's your take? What what do you think about her? You know, basically slamming a, a portion of the, of the electorate. Well, I actually think that that speech and Trump's speeches of this past week show me that they are both reading the same polls, huh. uh, because they're both going after uh, the same set of people. You've got you've got uh, Hillary is saying, tr- trying to say to maybe moderate Republicans or moderate independents, uh, look, uh, you got to come with me because this guy is a freak of nature and he's not even a Republican. He's not even a conservative. He is one of these, you know, uh, conspiracy theory, uh, really like alt-right crazy person. <laughs> so by doing that, she's trying to shore up or, or gain uh, some strength in that uh, kind of an, into the center. Well, Trump is doing the same thing. All of a sudden, 
oh, you know, there are plenty of nice families who've lived here for 20 years with their children. And I don't know, we have to think about how to deal with them as opposed to we're getting rid of all 11 million <laughs> illegal immigrants, no matter right. what. Right. And so I don't care how he characterizes it, what he says, his tone and on immigration is softening some. We'll see on Wednesday what he really, I guess, comes out with. But um, but it's not just that. I, I listened to part of the speech on Saturday where he's talking about the horrible conditions of African Americans, and you know, he made a lot of really good points. And I'm thinking, well, maybe he'll get two percent of the African American vote instead of one percent. <laughs> but then I thought, no, really, who's who is that speech directed to? That speech is directed to uh, moderate to middle conservative uh, voters to reassure them that he's not uh, all the way to the right edge hmm. of the of the party. So I, I don't know. That's interesting. It's too long of an analysis, but I, I think that they're both reading the same polls and going both going in their own ways after the same exact demographic. Does. Should should Hillary Clinton by now have just put this away? Is there a putting this away this early? Um, would another candidate, a strong candidate on the Democratic side, have already, you know, sealed the deal as if this isn't already sealed? Right, according to Nate Silver, I think it's a ninety percent bet on Hillary Clinton, isn't it? Well, he just just this morning, I don't know when he wrote it, I read it just, just this morning, but he's actually moved, he has a story saying uh, Hillary shouldn't run out the clock. She's not yet in a position to run out the clock. Mm. He, he changes Trump's odds from, you know, 11% to 19%, basically 1 in 10 to 1 in 5. True. Um, now, that's, if you're Donald Trump, I don't <laughs> know that you take a heck of a lot of... Uh, you know, hope in that. But he points out that uh, overall, it's a six-point difference, according to his model, it's rough, pretty close to real clear politics, uh, and that she's not sealed the deal. And in fact, in the last couple of weeks, he's picked up, in his, in uh, he Trump has picked up in Nate Silver's model, uh, not well, he's knocked Hillary down two percent. Mm. He said, you know, if he can keep doing that, he'll win in, in November. Now, uh, there are all kinds of reasons why Trump might be at the speed of light. I mean, he's having a hard time getting out of the 30s in terms of support, you know, maybe low 40s in a lot of in some polls. But, but overall, his base is not shown to be to get up into the 40s enough yet. So there I don't know. She, the, 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 the short answer is she's probably not it's probably not. A good idea for her just to run out the clock yeah. right now, uh, given some of the strength. And again, though, you look at the state polls, and it's pretty grim uh, for Trump. Yeah. Well, and uh, I guess, I mean, it should be, right? It's, yeah. This is, both of them had name recognition, but she has, it seems like, a lot of the experience. He's was somehow touching the pain of America, and, and uh, that seemed to get him some good traction. We're talking again with Joe Cannon, our Washington insider. We'll come back, continue the discussion. Plus, I want to play a little uh, song we heard about mediocre presidents. And maybe, maybe we're just following that same line of thinking. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back.
30 days. We are the adequate, forgettable, occasionally regrettable caretaker presidents of the U. Welcome back, everybody. That is the uh, the mediocre presidents of the USA by, uh, I guess, the Simpsons, the the, the school kids <laughs> on the Simpsons. Who who knows politics better than the Simpsons? Well, there's one guy for sure, Joe Cannon. Joe's our Washington insider, and uh, Joe, what'd you think of that song? <laughs> well, being compared to be as knowledgeable as the Simpsons is a uh, pretty pretty low bar. It's so. such a low bar, but you're so much better than that. Seriously, that uh, you know, it's it just seems like <laughs> we're chasing, we're just chasing crazy crazy story after crazy story. For example, now there's been the gauntlet has been thrown down by Donald Trump's team that uh, Hillary needs to release more of her medical records. Donald would love to more than just that one letter written by. His uh, his doctor five, in five minutes as the limousine's waiting to pick up the letter. Do what is this? Just more more of the same? Well, I mean, uh, it's hard to know how much of Trump is uh, really calculated, and how much of it is just uh, his gut instinct, <laughs> and maybe the two kind of come together. I don't know, but. Uh, it's this is the whole kitchen sink on both sides. Yeah, you know, what I mean, you've got money, corruption, lies. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, those are just the accusations. And now I guess, uh, you know, Trump is trying to put in question her health. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he, he's just his his goal is to show that she's not physically, mentally, or uh, um, I don't know the right word. Uh, uh, you know, she's corrupt. Yeah, corrupt yeah. To be president. Well, and then she's got her secrets, right? She's she's not uh, you know good on national security. So that's he's just going to be hammering away, saying whatever comes to his mind. Apparently, is uh, it, about that. Is Hillary responding too much to him? Um, it, it seems like. He says these these kind of extreme things, and then she's forced to respond to it. But it seems by responding to it, she also gets pulled down into the mud with him. And it might be better to just take the high road and just go keep presenting her powerful image of strength. Well, uh, I mean, the thing about both Hillary and Trump is they, they both seem to have pathological reactions to things. <laughs> so... Uh, they both, they're both, I mean, in their history, we have a long history with Hillary, a shorter history with Trump, but both of them seem to be animated by the idea that if somebody hits me, I'm going to hit them back twice as hard. And and that seems to be on both sides. And that's been what uh, Hillary has done, you know, in all of the scandals, real or imagined, over the last uh, couple of decades. Right. I, I, though I think the difference between Hillary and Trump is she's far more disciplined in her responses. Mm-hmm. They're not just off the top of the cuff. I'm pretty confident that they're very poll-tested. So when he says some 
crazy outlandish thing, she can A, appear to be responding to it, but B, responding to it in a way that uh, strengthens her hand and weakens him. Hmm. So I, I don't think she, she's not just off the top of yeah, she's not just the cuff, reacting. Uh, reaction is very, very, very careful and thought out uh, uh, reactions. How, how did you feel about uh, the last week's Hillary Clinton is a bigot moment? <clears throat> Look, and Hillary what's the Clinton, theory behind that? I mean, what's the? I mean, I, I guess just saying, you know, saying whatever you want, we can make it seem like it. It is what we're saying. Well, I think Trump was living in a sector of his political strategy there that was aimed at reassuring moderate white Americans that he is not a racist. So I think that was his general tactic. Hmm. But, you know, he seems ungovernable. I mean, why do you say something stupid like like Hillary's a bigot? Yeah, That's she has a history. She has a very yeah. public history. I mean, she might be like a lot of things. Maybe her policies and the things that she believes in, maybe they actually don't help African-Americans. Okay, then talk about that, mm-hmm. uh, which, which eventually, right. eventually he didn't get to that. But the point is, starting out the conversation, uh, that way just, wow, it just grates your ears, and, <laughs> and it, it kind of prevents you from hearing whatever else he might have to say, however thoughtful yeah. it would be. It seems like, yeah, it seems like then you're thinking, what? You don't just throw that out there with somebody like Hillary Clinton. What should we, uh, you know, if, you, if you're an average conservative um, and you can't fully support or embrace Trump, but Hillary Clinton has always scared you to death. I had a, a man come up to me and say, I don't know what to do because uh, – you know, Donald's just a loose cannon, but uh, we definitely can't vote for Hillary. Um, it seems like, and remind me, but President Clinton had some pretty great economic days while he was in. Things seemed to go pretty well. A lot of scandals, a lot of issues like that, and some policies that didn't quite you know, work the way that he had proposed that they would work, but he balanced a budget, right? And he 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 had some pretty good economic times and and ideas. Should we fear uh, the Hillary Clinton presidency as much as many of the conservatives do? Well, I don't think that she'll govern at all like Bill Clinton. I'll just start there. She she is ideologically to the left of her husband, and that's been pretty clear all along. So I I wouldn't say that it would be. Bill Clinton redux hmm. if we in, in the in the new administration. Also, times are radically different. Yeah, Bill, I'm not going to take away from Bill Clinton's willingness to work with Congress. That was really important. But it was really Congress who balanced the budget. Hmm. It was really Congress who dragged him very reluctantly to welfare reform. It was also after the Cold War, so we really did have a peace dividend where we're you know, spending trillions of dollars less over time on military and, and the Cold War spending. People can't really get their minds around that now, but, but we, we had this huge peace dividend and, mm. and a time of relative prosperity, a lot of which came as a result of, of the Reagan era, Reagan pulling us out of uh, you know, the Carter Depression. So 
a lot of things went right for Bill Clinton, and uh, almost none of those things is existent today. I mean, we live in a world with much more turmoil than we did in the early 90s, uh, much much more international instability. Uh, the economy has not not recovered. I mean, we're still pretty flat line right. uh, on the economy. Jobs are down. So, you know, he took over at a time of economic prosperity, and he did a really good job not, not messing not it up. Not messing it up, right. Uh, and he had a Republican Congress to keep him in check on, on the spending. So he had, he had, uh, he had a, a surplus, I'm putting quotes around the surplus, because of uh, the la- lack the less, lesser need for defense spending, and all of that added to a, a continuing to fuel a strong economy, which Reagan got started in the 80s. Hmm. None, none of those circumstances obtain today. A, right, right. B, I, I think Hillary Clinton is more left of center than her husband. Should, uh, I, and I guess we, we still have 71 days till the election. I mean, at what point, if the writing's on the wall that uh, that Donald Trump's not going to be able to, to win this thing, at what point do they just go ahead and um, and pass the the judicial candidate, the Supreme Court nominee, through the Senate and the Congress? Yeah, that won't happen until after the election, no matter what. I think the Senate has been adamant on not, not approving Supreme Court appointment, the, the particular Supreme Court appointment, and uh, I, I don't hear anybody talking about that as an issue hmm. right now. Um, but then I guess Hillary could, uh, if I guess they would do it after, but would they do it after her election? Because then she might nominate someone else. Yeah, but she doesn't become president until January 20th. So. Oh, so it would be after and, January, and, after the well, election, well, before her nomin- before her uh, inaugural events. Well, a couple of things could happen. Uh, uh, pre- actually, President Obama could withdraw the nomination. True. And just say, okay, well, we'll wait till President Clinton. Uh, or he could not withdraw it, and Congress could uh, approve this guy. Or they could wait until after, after uh, the 20th and see what uh, Hillary does. Mm. Mm. So. Crazy. What, um, what else is on your radar? What are you paying attention to uh, that, that – or what should we all be looking at that, that's uh, interesting to you? Well, I, I, you know, we talked a little bit about this before, but I think there are two interesting and really depressing trends – that are coalescing, maybe they're reinforcing each other, maybe they're all connected to the same same idea, but birth rate is dramatically down. And this year, for the, for the first time in recorded history, Europe had an overall net decrease. So let's say a different way. They had more people die than were born mm. for, for the first time in history. So that's, uh, you know, if they had 5.1 million babies were born, 5.2 million died. Mm. So they had a negative natural change of population. So there are two ways to make your population, well, maybe more, but at least two. One is just that death versus live births. Uh, the other is total fertility rate. So if women in a country or in the world uh, on average, have 2.1 live births per thousand women. That's a total fertility rate. 
that's what you need, 2.1 or just a little over 2 to be replacement. Mm. All, all Western countries are below replacement. And most, and many other countries are, and the and the and the the decline is is dramatic. Even in countries that are have a TFR above two point one, are still show you know the graphs are all pointing down to the lower right hand corner. So uh, that's one thing. And the other thing is religiosity is also declining. So also about for the first time in history. About half the people, according to Pew Research in the United States, 49% of the people attend religious services a few times a year, rarely or never. Mm. They're basically not not religious. And of course, and we are vastly, we in the United States are vastly more religious than than people in Europe. Right. Because you get these numbers in Europe that are, you know, just just uh, amazing about. Uh, uh, you know, they're more in Britain, in England, they're more atheists and agnostics than believers. Uh, church attendance in the UK is sometimes uh, only as high as 2% on any given Sunday. You've wow. got 70% of the Dutch are not affiliated with any religion. And, you know, you can go, you can go uh, number after number after number so that there's a, a decline in childbirth. Some people think that's great, but now economists are wondering if that's not really the cause of the malaise in Japan yeah. and in Germany is that you have literally slow growth in babies or negative growth. Actually, in those countries, it's negative growth. So you have the negative growth in population, which is you know exacerbating economic decline. And then you have just in general this uh, decline of, of religion and faith. Sooner or later, that that's going to have consequences. In my my view. And yeah. Talk more about this other time. Bad consequences. Well, and and that's uh, that's I guess too. Some might suggest it's the it's the economy driving some of this, right? The the lack of economic growth. Uh. That could be. I mean, there's there's actually a lot, a long time debate about which causes which. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, you've got the bad economy, decline in religion, low birth rate. They're all wrapped up together. Yeah. In, in one in one way or the other, they're all interconnected. The soup. And and also, by the way, the younger you get, the less inclined you are to be uh, religious. So. Uh, so the less the plan you are to be religious, the more you worry about the economy, the fewer children people are going to have. The whole thing, it gets into sort of a, a you know, a bad spiral. Yeah. And, and again, it may very well be impacting our choices, our pain, our levels of pain. I, I, I had never uh, thought of the uh, the birth rate, too. I mean, we've, we've talked about it on the show before, but we're going to have to get some experts in to talk about all of this. Joe, in, great insight as usual. And... Uh, Hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Matt. Thanks a lot. Keep up the great work. Again, Joe Cannon, he's our Washington insider. You can find out more about his work trying to lower fuel costs here in the United States by going to fuelfreedom.org. Interesting insight. You know, religiosity drops. Does that impact our morality? Does that impact our you know sense of peace, happiness, lower birth rates, economic issues? Causing a lot of pain. Interesting stuff. We'll take a break, come back, wrap up this first hour of the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us, folks. 
don't uh, don't give up hope yet. We'll be back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Interesting discussion with Joe about um, decreasing birth rate. Uh, birth rate is down. Religiosity is down. Economic issues are down, which may um, help us understand what's going on with Trump and the Catholics. Apparently, a lot of Catholics aren't going to vote for Trump. Washington Post had some uh, information this weekend. I saw some graphs this morning as I was... Stroll, or scrolling through Twitter, but uh, the headline here, how big is Donald Trump's massive Catholic problem, really? Ooh. And it says, uh, the new public religion research institute poll showing Clinton crushing Trump among Catholics 55% to 32%. A Washington Post-ABC poll from earlier this month has Clinton ahead among Catholics 61% to 34%. And a Pew research poll from July had Clinton beating Trump among Catholics 56 to 39 Well... Okay, but why would that matter? As it says... Donald might have the evangelicals. Who knows? It says this is such a problem for Trump because Catholics make up about 25% of the electorate. That's a problem. Versus, for example, 28% non-whites, 29% independents, 10% for Latinos, but 25% Catholic. Interesting. So Trump's Latino deficit is worth about one point in the general election. But when talking about Catholics, this uh, pollster explains Trump is basically adding five to seven percentage points to Clinton's overall margin by just trending poorly with Catholics. Now, where did this all begin when the Pope and uh, when Donald took on the and Pope? That, that's where the article starts. Because remember back when Trump <laughs> went after the Pope? It started. It's uh, apparently that's starting to come back and hit yeah. him a little bit. If twenty five percent of the electorate is Catholic, Clinton is currently taking fourteen to fifteen points worth of that chunk of Catholics, Amazing. which comes out to five or seven points in the polls. I mean, that's the swing that he needs right there. Yeah, if he could just turn the Catholics around. But you went after the Pope. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, they like their Pope. You don't. You don't take on the Pope if you want the Catholic vote. Plus, some of his issues are are very. I mean, a lot of Catholics might be Latino, Latino Americans, Hispanic Americans, and he's pretty much you know hurt them. Yeah, he's not a a friend, but for many, I guess. But it just that's just one of the, another set of numbers that yeah. are quite interesting. But at the same time, the, the latest polls will come out, and he has closed the distance he with Hillary closed, Clinton. But and what is that? What do we attribute that? This is. Was it just the kinder guy that now people are like, oh, see, he's nice. Yeah. Well, I I I predict we're going to see more of this as people's you know comments are still made, debates happen. You'll see the polls contract, right? Come back together and expand, and then I don't know. I think three to five points will be where it kind of hangs out because that's kind of where America is. I think Kellyanne Conway is making a difference. Hopefully. And apparently point, right? she's able to get him to do what she wants I don't want when to s- others couldn't. I, what would you rather see, a runaway blowout or do you want it to be interesting? I want it to be so eight? interesting. You want to sit there and just go, wow, this is crazy. Except, I don't know. Maybe it would. everyone would just be quiet if it was a blowout. I doubt it. They'll just keep pretending. I don't know. Well, I- we'll have to figure it out, you know. Luckily, we've got 71 days to talk about it. We'll take a break, folks. Hour number one of the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. Next hour, more interesting insight, including 
a Cronuts mystery coming up. This is the Matt Townsend Show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Top of the morning to you. This is the program where we give you the information, the tools you need to live healthier, happier lives. Plus, to talk about the news stories you don't always get to hear, and we will go much more in-depth on those. Today, a great show. Uh, we'll be speaking, actually replaying an interview we did with Ellen Galinsky about uh, Mind in the Making, the Seven Essential Life Skills Every Child Needs. You know, kids need basic skills, and parents, it's our job to uh, deliver those skills And today we'll be talking about seven different skills that uh, would really set your child up for success. We will get to that in a few moments. Um, Also, we've got to get to our cronut story. Now, some of you are like, what is a cronut? Well, a cronut is the mix between a croissant and a donut. And they are apparently the the rave. They're the everybody in New York. They love them. They're now getting out to the rest of the country. Have you tried one yet? I've never tried a cronut. But – we, you know, they may even be sponsoring the show. You know, I think we do have some some promos. Yeah, but crazy story in New York. We'll have to talk about uh, at the right outside of the bakery where cronuts were made popular. There's always a lineup every day for cronuts, but crazy story. A guy apparently had died, and so near the cronuts bakery where they where they make these. Cronuts. And, and we have our, one of our new reporters there, Sandy Jacobs, will be reporting live from in front of the, uh, this bakery to talk about, wow, this uh, tragedy, I guess. I don't know what we call it. A, a dead body by a bakery and a, a lot cro- of people standing right there. A crotastrophe. <laughs> Crotastrophe. It's a great way to put it. So we will get to that as well, plus other headlines coming up. Um, a lot of people going crazy for their donuts. We will, and there's just so many stories we, we might not even have time to cover them all. But first, let's get to Sadie Nielsen with the headlines. Sadie, what's up? Donald Trump said Sunday night he plans to make a major speech on immigration during his stop in Arizona on Wednesday. Trump's immigration policy received renewed scrutiny recently after he seemingly softened his stance on how to treat undocumented immigrants and then reaffirmed his support for deporting them. Three people were killed and another 26 wounded in a series of Chicago shootings on Saturday night and Sunday morning. The overnight shootings continued a week into violence that has seen seven killed and 38 injured by gunfire, including Nakia Aldridge, cousin of basketball player Dwayne Wade. Gary Johnson is currently polling at 10% in the five polls that the debate commission is using to get its numbers. But with many voters looking at third party candidates, that number has gone up four points in about a month and a half. However, he needs 15% to get into the debates. We're optimistic we're actually going to get into the debates, he says. We're spending money right now in many states, and in five states right now, we're at 16%. So I'm just really optimistic. However, if he doesn't make it into the debate, he concedes, yes, I would say game over. And finally, uh, we haven't heard any Pokemon news in a while, so here's your Pokemon news for the day. 
Target has embraced the popularity of smartphone game Pokemon Go by transforming the large red spheres in front of some stores into Pokeballs. The company announced in a press release that 400 stores across the country will have solid red balls repainted to resemble Pokeballs. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. Just just as the game is experiencing a severe decline yeah. in uh, activity. So thanks, Target, for that little boost that <laughs> so they needed. Catching the game on the decline. Good job. Interesting. We see, that's the problem is those games, they can they can have an overnight success before the manufacturers even know that they should be making Pokeballs. But it's been, I mean, they could have done it in the first month. Yeah, easier said than done. Just call the paint guy to come out and put a white swatch on the, you know, a little right. circle I mean, how or whatever. Hard is that? Yeah. How hard is that? Thank I you, know. Sadie. Great news updates. But, I mean, Pokey, they're just a day late and a Pokey ball short. Yeah. Sad. It wouldn't help this guy in New York. This is, we got to get to our, our live shot. Uh, Do you think it was Pokemon Go related? Maybe, maybe he was exhausted by Pokey, but I, I think it might have more to do with the Cronut uh, Bakery outside of Soho. Sad story. Dozens of people line up every day for these Cronut Donut Croissant Donut things. They're all the rage. They're all the rage, and meanwhile, they're lining up next to a, a dead body, a corpse. It's. I mean, it's. It's a big deal. So we decided we need to. We need to talk about it. Let's send one of our. Let's send one of our reporters there. So joining us now live from Soho um, is Sandy Jacobs, our reporter. Sandy, thanks, Matt. I'm standing outside the popular bakery with dozens of pastry lovers waiting to satisfy their sweet tooth with a cronut, which is a donut croissant hybrid. People are dying to try and get a taste of the bakery's new red velvet cronut before they're sold out. Some people have been waiting for hours. Excuse me, sir, how long have you been standing out here? Eh, only about five hours, which isn't that long. You know, this is like Broadway for me. Five hours? Oh, these cronuts must be good, huh? Oh, they're the best. I like the doughiness of donuts, but the flakiness of croissants, so it's the best of both worlds, really. Now, there seems to be a strange odor in the air. Is that the cronuts? No, it's actually that dead body you just stepped over. Oh my goodness, I didn't even notice. A eh, few people do. Uh, we just had a body here last week when they released the banana cream pie flavor. Mmm, banana cream pie. That sounds good. So getting back to this red velvet cronut. Everyone, clear the area. All right, where is it? Where's the new cronut? Right through those doors, young man. Okay, coming through. Everyone step aside. I'm going to get out of the EMT's way and turn it back over to you, Matt. Wow, Sandy. With the Matt Townsend Show, I'm Sandy Jacobs. Thank you, Sandy. Uh, so that ambulance apparently wasn't for the dead no, body. No, wanted a cronut. Man. Speaking of. You don't use lights and siren, though, to well, you, a cronut. You'd think it was coming to an emergency, but maybe it was a cronut emergency. Crotastrophe. Crotastrophe. <laughs> but I mean, dead bodies and people aren't even phased. Is that just big well, city living, or is that just the numb of the cronut? 
It, I think I think we need to get a couple of cronuts in here tomorrow and see. That's a great idea. It's more that if you stepped out of line to maybe make a phone call mm-hmm. to alert authorities to the individual yeah. on the street laying motionless, that you would lose your place in line for a cronut. Maybe you just make a call like 911 or they, there's, I think there's a dead body right here by the cronut line. Well, don't want to get involved. Yeah. Maybe it was like a Walmart trampling incident. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It was the body was found forty feet from the store. I mean, just right there by the line, right? Just right there on a bench. Mm. I mean, yeah, you hope he wasn't. I mean, did he have a cronut bag? Did he? No, you'd think someone would grab a phone and mm. make a phone call, but it's sad. Then you know, cronuts. <sighs> well, it's not, by the way, the only story. Uh, a woman also was accused of stabbing her husband in the chest mm. because um, her husband, I guess, was didn't bring home the donuts. He what do returned mean? home okay. from the store without getting donuts. Oh. And she was upset. Did she ask for donuts? Apparently. Or is it just one of those sort of implied rules of the relationship? As you go out, <laughs> you bring donuts. You bring home the donuts. Huh. The man was sitting against a tree holding his chest. His uh, T-shirt was full of blood Mm -hmm. when the police arrived. Did he admit to his lack of purchasing donuts? He told police he had gone to pick up donuts for his wife, 37-year-old Michelle Nielsen, but the store didn't have the type she normally gets. Oh, okay. Well. When he returned home without the donuts, Nielsen got upset for not knowing what else, you know, what other flavors she liked. Hmm. He should have known. Should he have called? Home to well, no, but you can't call because then you show you don't know. Should he know? Yeah, you should know. Like, do you not know what donuts your wife would like? I have no idea. See, you're dead. <laughs> you're dead. She doesn't really eat donuts, so okay. So, if she, what would she send you out to get? She's pregnant now. Go get me some pickles and. She hasn't done any of that. Brought worst. She'll occasionally want like, like a hamburger. Okay, but but we go to like any place. There doesn't seem to be a preference. Just give me a hamburger. Oh, I'm apparently a bad example. But do you think yeah. you should know your you wife's should know. You should first, know. second, and possibly third option when it comes to donuts? Well, yeah. If she has a knife, what, for that's, sure. That's what she's implying here. She should have known. Her favorites weren't available. He should have known what mm-hmm. option B is. And if you love me, you would have gotten option B. Wow. And he probably was like, I didn't know you wanted B. I just thought you wanted A, so I didn't bring any. But it's better to bring something, even if it's the D choice okay. versus just nothing. Like a loaf of bread? No, you donut choice. Oh. Yeah. That anyway. really hurt. I'm going to have a lump there, you idiot. <laughs> she, she, she stabbed him with a, uh, a fork. Wow. Like one of the grilling forks. Oh, not, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are those are some mean business there. Huge. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> See, I I don't know. I think she might have higher expectations for that relationship. I don't know. I mean, I think you do, should know. I mean, do you know your wife's B C yeah, donut I, I choice? Mean, well, not because she doesn't eat donuts. Oh, I'd, okay. I'd get the donuts for me, right? But I know what her sweet tooth treat favorites are. Okay. I know A, and I know B. Which are? And I know C. Chocolate-covered pretzels. Okay. A. She likes a good Cinnabon, but you can only pull that out once every year. Mm. Like, if you do that every day, 
that gets her mad. Right. That's my thing. If I buy this type of stuff, someone gets mad. She wants to eat yeah. it, but then she doesn't want to eat it. Too, and then if so. I get like a chocolate kind of malt uh, f- flavor thing, you put in her mil- her her. She calls it her potion. Right. Then I got a happy wife. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Werthers. She likes Werthers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean, I've got my A, B, C, and D. Okay. So yeah, yeah. You, you do know. I, I don't know. I think she might have been asking for too much out of her husband and then well, reacted with too much anger. But I just think when a woman needs a donut, she needs a donut. No, Today's no. episode of the Matt Townsend Show is brought to you by Cronuts. Cronuts, so good, you'll slice your spouse for not buying you one. Hmm. Is that a new sponsor? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wow. That seems violent. Yeah. But, did, did we test these beforehand? Do we I don't know, run I don't, these by some people? I mean, people? I think no, they just right. bought them. They, we just use them if they bought them. But wait, slicer, that's kind of... Yeah. Uh, you may want to rethink that. That's a, not a yeah. tagline you want for your product. No. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I guess I won't get to the other stories. I saw, you know, cronuts, or you said it's a croissant and a donut. Yeah. Kind of a mix. It's a cross. I saw... An ice cream cone this weekend. What? It was a crona- It was a croissant. Yeah. Right? And they, they, you coil it up, and then you dip it in like in a, a deep fat fryer, so you make yeah. a donut out of the croissant, and then they coat it in caramel. Mm, yes. And then, then you put ice cream on it, and you make an ice cream cone out of the croissant that you've done all that other stuff to. Wow. And then you're supposed to eat that without making a mess. That sounds good. We got to try that. Mm. Well, like this is this is crazy. So you kind of turn your croissant into a churro, sort uh-huh. of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's powdered sugar involved and uh. caramel, and it's just kind of a a sugary bomb. Churro, and then just piles of ice cream. Would you support such a uh, a snack? Okay, oh, I'm already supporting it. <laughs> I haven't even tasted it, but it has my vote. Yeah, man, I uh, can't get over the lady. And our new sponsor. <laughs> it's just so violent. Hey, we will take a break. When we come back, we're talking with Ellen Galinsky about the, the seven essential life skills every child needs. And one is how to sort through, you know, your spouse's favorite top four treats. Come on, everybody. Get your act together. It's not worth dying over this. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Stick with us. Today's episode of the Matt Townsend Show is brought to you by Cronuts. Cronuts, so good, you'll step over a dead body to get one. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, uh, we are talking about your children and how to, you know, get them the skills, the tools, the information they need to grow a healthier, happier life, a healthier, happier mind. And uh, joining us on the phone is Ellen Galinsky. And uh, Ellen is the author of the book, Mind in the Making, The Seven Essential Skills Life uh, uh, Every Child Needs, um, Life Skills Every Child Needs. Ellen is also uh, the author of other books and, and other resources and tools to help us as parents, folks. We need as much information as we can to make it through this crazy thing 
we call life. Ellen, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks for being with us. My pleasure. It really is. Uh, you, you have more than 100 books that, that can help us and guide us as parents. Walk us through this new one, uh, Mind in the Making. Um, and again, there's a website, mindinthemaking.org. What, when you, we are really forming the mind of our child, and that's the mind they're going to need to use through the rest of their life. Um, exactly right. Children are born with all of the neurons, more or less, that they need in life. But what they don't have are the connections among those neurons. And it's those connections that um, shape who, who we are and whom, whom we become. Um, there have, has been for a long time nature-nurture kind of debate, but it's, it's, it's irrelevant because um, nature writes on, um, I mean, nurture writes on the nature that we're born with. So right. our experiences affect whom we become. And the brain is built. Uh, from the bottom up. So the very early experiences are powerful, but it's never too late. Thank heavens, huh? <laughs> yes, thank heavens. <laughs> and so really, <laughs> when, when, you, when you say uh, the kind of these, the, the neurons or the pathways, I mean, we're, the, these end up becoming, I guess, what we would call like a habit. It's a pattern, right? Yes, um, it, it absolutely is. The way we see the world, the way we expect other adults or children to act toward us, what we learn about the world, all of that um, has its earliest foundations in the first five years of life. But I'm writing a book on teenagers and executive function skills now, so that's a, also a period of dramatic uh, growth and change. Do, so do, again, cause, cause, I, I think kids we're going to learn more about adults and, yeah. um, and these skills, so... Again, it's never too late. Right. Because the kids don't have, I mean, developmentally, they're growing through stages. And so you can't expect a certain way of thinking from a five-year-old that you could, a 10-year-old or a 12, 15-year-old, let alone up to a 25-year-old. We've had other researchers on that say this process doesn't, I guess, your brain doesn't even fully mature in this process till 25. Is that accurate? Um, In the 20s. But um, I'm, you know, one of these days I'm going to start looking at adult uh, brain development, uh, because I think that there, you know, as as our society ages, we're going to pay a lot more attention to that. What I, I started out on, as, as I do with all, all of my research, on a personal um, quest, an intellectual journey, <clears throat> um, where I wanted to answer the question, um, wh- why are so many children turned off to learning? I was doing a study of older kids um, and looking at how they felt about learning, and, and they were pretty turned off. They saw learning as mainly something that you did to get a job, um, you know, to graduate from your class, to get a job, to be able to earn money so that you wouldn't be a bum on the street. And that intrinsic joy, power, um, connection that we have to learning, because learning is a survival skill in all of us, um, seemed to have dimmed. And and I was, I began to, and studies of school engagement show the same thing, that most kids go to school because it's the law or to see their friends, and, and uh, you know, less than 40% of them say that they go to school to learn. So we're doing something in our society that turns off, turns off that engagement and learning. And yet I know from the work we do with businesses that engagement is the most powerful predictor of uh, productivity. So what are we doing as a society? That became my question starting in 2000. I didn't end up, uh, I didn't begin by thinking that I would find that there are these skills that, as you say, 
begin to emerge in development, and that if these skills are promoted, that we we can um, thrive now, not just not not just when we're forty, not just when we're sixty, but thrive now um, as well as um, in the future. So that totally turned me around. I hadn't ex- I had expected to make. Um, a, a television show where I was sharing some of the best research. And when I began to see the importance of executive function skills, um, then I went, whoa, this is a book, and this mm. is so much more than a book. And so for now, the last 16 years, I've devoted um, a lot of my time to um, making this research available for free and, and online and in and, and many, many different ways. And the executive function skills, as, as I get it, I guess, are tend to be in the kind of the, the more evolved brain, the, the prefrontal cortex brain, yeah. right? Yeah, they, they tend to take place in the prefrontal brain, but the brain is a network. So it, you know, um, I remember in the 92 election how we said it's the economy, stupid. Right. Um, I went to a, a neuroscience conference uh, last year and in the Netherlands, at the end of the conference, someone wrote on the board, "It's network stupid." <laughs> so it's a network. Um, yeah, it, the brain works um, as a system, not just as one part. So we tend to, uh, you know, here here's an example of the repercussions of that. We tend to separate out social, emotional, and cognitive development, but that's not actually the way the brain works. You can have the social, emotional parts of the brain more involved, but the cognitive is involved right. too. So it's, uh, you know, some of our assumptions about the brain are, are not accurate. Yeah, because it's, it's working as a whole and we break it into its silly pieces. Right. Even Or its important pieces, but it's still, right. yeah. It's, it's kind of... The cortex, which is the last part of the brain to develop has been called the orchestra or the air traffic controller of the brain. That pulls together the various parts of our brain, our social, emotional, behavioral, cognitive capacities, so that we can achieve goals. And uh, executive functions, um, although it's kind of an off-putting word, I didn't like it at first. Yeah. Um, I'm used to it now, but in the beginning I thought, oh, maybe I should come up with a different word. Um, but that's what it's called, so I stayed with it. Um, these These are things like... Um, being able to uh, be flexible, that is, not just to react to what's happening, but to be able to change in regard to changing situations. It's called cognitive flexibility. Um, They're working memory, that is, being able to hold the information that you need in your mind so that you can use it, which is why the best tests tap what children, um, how children use their knowledge, not just whether they can recite it. And then inhibitory control or self-control, which means that we don't go on automatic, but we do what we need to do to achieve a a goal. So executive functions are always goal-directed, which is why they're so important. It's how we set and keep goals. And then what I did in in the time between discovering this and, and then writing Mind in the Making was to look at the skills that draw on these three core capacities and um, and then also promote them. So I came up with a list of skills um, through through research, evidence-based skills that that um, that do just that. But they're, they're they're normal things like focus and self-control or perspective taking, being able to understand how someone else thinks and feels. Yeah, um, things I mean, like that. In a way, too, as I as I look at it, a lot of it is is um, emotional intelligence. Yeah. And the ability to to um, engage others and and foster relationships, but it's it really are they're very basic skills, as you say, 
um, that I guess allay those other issues. Um, talk about some of them. Focus and self-control. Now, are these things that you can teach children Absolutely. at any age, or do you yeah. have to mm-hmm. wait till they're to a certain age? No, no, no. You can teach them. At, they're the precursors of, of executive function skills. Um, and um, take take focus and self-control. You, you, you come home, um, you know, after you have a baby, you have a baby who gets fussy and gets out of control. How do you teach that child to calm himself or herself down? When you're... Most of us watch what the child does and then build on it. Yeah. So if turning on light switches on and off, um, you know, distracts your child who's, you know, when your child is having a fit, um, you know, we'll do that. Yeah, yeah, let's go there. In order to help your our child calm down or if rubbing our child or singing to our child or um, or realizing that, that our child is hungry or tired, we're teaching that basic skill of self-control just in in not our calming the baby down, but helping the baby learn to calm himself or herself down. Yeah. You know, it's isn't it interesting? I, I like how you think about this because we could just sit there and say, oh, I've got to stop that child from doing whatever. But that's just one example of a lack of maybe focus and self-control. You're, te- exactly you're right. basically teaching the, the skill set they need is focus and self-control. Right. And there's 100 examples of it in the child's life. Exactly. Every day, um, all of the time. And um, 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 in, in the, the, the thing that's wonderful about exec- these skills that are based on executive functions is that they can be taught that they're very malleable. And when they are promoted, um, the kids do better. And, and what we've done is to develop a training program that we're out in about, you know, 16 parts of the country with now. Hmm. Where we um, where we teach them to adults first, because we think that when we learn them, and yeah. so this is the the lifelong learning. When we learn these skills, when we learn how to manage ourselves, we're better able to teach our kids how to manage themselves. And I'll I'll give you an example from my three year old grandson. Um, he you know he is you know like a little you know zoomer. If he sees something, he wants right. It he wants it. And he goes fast, and and uh, so we had to teach him ways to uh, when there might be danger that he had to stop. So it's freeze or red light, green light. Huh? And just like um, the game. And he knows. Yeah, it's a game. So if we say freeze, we don't say it unless it's really important. Um, then he knows to freeze, and and so he's learned. He's learning it. You know, yeah, he's learned the self control. And so there are a million. That's just from yesterday. Yeah, that's. But there are a million things that that we do all the time with little kids and big kids and ourselves to learn to delay gratification to pursue the goals that we think are most important. It's huge, man. And it's it's needed for all, parent and child. We'll take a break. We're speaking with Ellen Galinsky from uh, the the website mindinthemaking.org and the book Mind in the Making. Uh, excellent resources, I think, for all of us. We'll take a break, come back, continue the discussion, learning some other tools um, that are necessary to, to train up our children, our grandchildren, to, to let them have, at least have a shot at this world by possessing some of the higher skills of life. Stick with us. This is The Matt Townsend Show.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, uh, joined on the phone by Ellen Galinsky. She's president and co-founder of Families at Work Institute, which you can find at familiesandwork.org. She helped establish the uh, field of work and family life during the time when she was at Bank Street College of Education, where she was on faculty for 25 years. Her more than 100 books and reports include the best-selling Mind in the Making, The Seven Essential Life Skills Every Child Needs, which is what we're talking about today. Ellen, thank you again so much for being with us today. Thank you, Matt. And I, I actually wanted to say that Mind in the Making is now a program of the Bezos Family Foundation. Okay, so, great. Um, take a look at the Bezos Family Foundation, particularly for your listeners who want free resources there. Yeah. Um, we've got a wonderful app called Vroom as a part of the Bezos Family Foundation. Like Bezos, like Jeff Bezos? As in, yes. As in <laughs> Jeff Bezos. started by his parents. Oh, that's Jackie awesome. How great. Uh-huh. So Bezos Family Foundation? B-E-Z-O-S, Family okay. Foundation. Uh, excellent. Um, but you can find it also through Mind in the Making. You bet. Um, the other thing that I wanted to say from our previous conversation, because I think you made it a critically important point, and I want to underline it, yeah. which is that our approach is instead of seeing kids' behavior as bad behavior, um, yes, it is challenging, <laughs> not sure. trying that, but um, it's um, opportunities rather than just controlling their mm. bad behavior. Um, the way we're we're approaching this is um, there are these these challenging situations offer us opportunities to to promote life skills. That's it, it right? It's not, and it, how you respond to it will determine probably what you'll get out of it. If you see it as oh, there they go again, then yeah, uh, annoying me, and I'm going crazy. Right. <laughs> That's but, different than saying, oh my gosh, here's an opportunity to. Teach my grandson not to run into the street. Right, and and you've you've brought up um, uh, focus and self control as one of them. Another one that I think is so valuable for kids is perspective taking. Talk mm-hmm. talk about that. I, I did a lot of that work on my um, dissertation for uh, my workshops and stuff. But talk about perspective taking and, and how. What are some skills or tools we teach around that? Perspective taking is understanding what you think and feel and what someone else thinks and feel. So it is like emotional intelligence if you include the intelligence part. Yeah. It's understanding the thinking of someone else, um, what researchers call theory of mind, that is understanding what that person may have in his or her mind, um, as well as um, empathy, under, you know, feeling what they feel. Um, the way that, and it's very important in um, in helping children do well in school. If they understand what their teachers expect, if they understand what their what the other kids expect, um, that makes a difference. It's very important in literacy. If you can read a story and understand the character in that story. Um, that is a big leg up in in uh, reading comprehension. Yeah, and then it's very important, interestingly enough, in conflict um, resolution. Uh, there were years of research on kids who fought with other kids at school, and um, and the efforts to try to solve it by teaching problem solving, and they were moderately successful, but not as successful as one might think. Um, and then the researchers, this is led by Larry Aber at NYU and others, uh, found a missing ingredient, which is what I love about research. It's yeah. interesting, um, which is that the kids most likely to fight with each other were the kids who automatically jumped to conclusions about the other person. They had what the researchers call in, in typical research language a hostile attribution bias, which means that they assumed the worst. They assumed that someone else was out to get them. And their life experience may have been that way. 
but teaching them another way of thinking that is really stepping back and thinking about what is this other person trying to do um, really makes a difference. So what they did in the experiment, one of their experiments, is to take literacy, take books, and help to teach the skill of perspective taking. So when you're reading a story with kids, um, kindergarten, preschool, first grade, even three-year-olds, um, ask them, what do you think that character is doing? Um, why do you think that that, you know, um, uh, Sally wants to find, you know, where, where Spot, but why do you think that Sally the dog wants to find Spot? Mm. Um, and and have them think about the, the thoughts and feelings of another person, or why do you think that character acted that way? And so one of the things, the free resources we've developed is a series of book tips. Uh, we picked a library of almost 100 books, huh. and we, um, the, all of which teach these um, seven essential skills. And we uh, have free book tips that you can download, and they've been downloaded close to a half a million times. Um, they're in Spanish and in English that talk about how to take these children's books, and they're everyday children's books, um, some new, but most of the ones that are very familiar, um, like Goodnight Moon and things like that, um, um, or The Little Engine That Could. And they help uh, families or teachers know how to read these books in ways that also promote this skill. Wow, you know what? Powerful, because we, we, we have so many parents reading with kids, and it really, I mean, I guess it would help in comprehension and ability to read and, and their vocabulary, except if you could take the experience a little deeper and, and build these other skills simultaneously, that's power. Yeah, and the other thing that we have, it's called Prescriptions for Learning, but we took, <clears throat> um, again, uh, almost 100 of the most frequently ask the questions that parents ask teachers or, or, or pediatricians. Um, and, um, and we did that by looking at the kind of questions that pediatricians report being asked and the kind of questions that parents ask on websites. And again, we take the same approach, which is we bring research to bear. This is not our opinion. Um, and we um, show, you know, five, six ways that you can take this problem. My kid is a picky eater. My kids are fighting with each other in the car, um, whatever the, you know, the situation is, and, and turn it into uh, an opportunity to promote these uh, life skills. So we're trying to translate, or we are, we're not just trying, we're, we're translating this research into everyday ways that all of us, families, grandparents, teachers, um, pediatricians, can use. In fact, um, in a project we're doing with Mount Sinai, they're building these tips, these prescriptions for learning, into well-child visits so that the pediatrician will help the, the family um, deal with this problem at the age when this problem is likely to emerge. Right. Is, uh, is this... I guess it's being received, well-received, right? Because as I look at how many people are involved in my children's lives, it's, uh, it's, it would seem hard to try to educate every one of them on, some, on these techniques. How, how do you recommend that we go about you know, talking to our, our kids' teachers if they, if they have not uh, kind of experienced this or their, their grandparents when, when they're visiting? Uh, well, um, go on to mindinthemaking.org, and you will find the book tips. You will find prescriptions for learning. And then if you go to um, the website called Vroom, both, both of us are programs of the Bezos Family Foundation. Yeah. If you go to the website called Vroom, and you have, if you have a child birth through five, 
um, you can download an app that is it's called Room, and um, and every day, uh, mine is sitting right here. Um, you know, you put in your child's age or your children's age, and every day you'll get a tip um, from uh, from um, uh, you know like the, from the us, Room uh, site essentially. Yeah, uh, and then if you know if you're in the grocery store and your kid is driving you crazy. You know, you can go on the app and look at grocery store. And these are things they don't ask you to spend more time with your kids because most of us are really pressed for time. And they don't ask us to spend any more money. Um, and they're written at a third to fifth grade reading level. Um, but they they just take the everyday moments that we have with children and, and uh, turn them into opportunities for all of us to be brain builders. Hmm. That's great. It's fun. I mean, I mean it is. Fun. They're all meant to be fun. Yeah, and and really, parenting it that should be fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's and then they promote not only content areas like math and STEM sciences and literacy, but they also uh, all of them promote um, a back and forth conversation because that's the way kids learn by going back and forth with you, not just by being told information. <laughs> and they promote executive function skills. So you take my game with my son grandson yesterday about you know not running into the street or running across we were at a party running you know across the room following a dog um and uh, in a place where he could fall um the um you know you can play uh, red light green light which is perfect for teaching executive function skills if you think about it um or simon says is another thing that you can do um yeah this so um so all of those things are things that you can do in the everyday moments that you have with your child. Give us, uh, give us one more thing. I call it the one thing. We just have a couple minutes left. But what would you say as a parent is, is of, of, the, of the seven areas you talk about, focus and self-control, communicating, making connections, perspective taking, uh, critical thinking, taking on challenges, self-directed, engaged learning, what would you say – is is kind of like the the one thing that is the the place we should all start today. Well, I mean, I you know, it's like if I had seven children, I couldn't pick my favorite. Yeah. But, uh, because they all build on each other. Right. Um so I think that they're all important and there are opportunities all day long for promoting all of them and you don't have to think about them because again, if you have a little child and you and you um download our app Join Vroom, um then you'll, you know, they just come to you and then there's a brainy background that will say why you're doing what you're doing. Um, so they'll talk about that you're teaching, making connections, or they'll talk about your teaching, taking on challenges. Um, if if I had to pick one, it would be to help families. I, I guess I'll pick two. Um, it, it would be to help kids learn how to try hard things. Yeah. Um, taking on challenges. Taking on challenges isn't just coping with the bad things that happen. It's um, it's um, uh, helping kids um, try something that's hard, um, push themselves a little bit, and and that is uh, uh, based on self control too. Mm-hmm. Uh, setting goals and achieving them. It's really important. And then I would. As a parent, uh, find something that my my child is interested in. Every child is interested in something. Uh, and and but then, we totally beat it out of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and then start letting them start letting them um, 
yeah, it's self-direct and learn on that. Well, when exactly. we appreciate it, we it really I think it's I think it's so important for all of us. Ellen, thank you so much. Again, the websites that uh, we could be going to, there are so many. Let's see, go to mindinthemaking.org yeah, to that's find the main one. that that is the main one and from there you can eventually get to joinvroom.org. Great tools, great resources, and again, uh, much of it from the Bezos Family Foundation, one of their partners, um, helping us all be healthier, happier people. We appreciate the time with Ellen. We're going to take a break, come back, uh, wrap up this second hour of the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us, friends, helping you see the good in the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back to the show, folks. Uh, you know, last Friday was National Women's Equality Day, and we wanted to, to highlight some of the, the great ground that has been made in fact even with our with a new presidential candidate the first female nominated by a party uh, for the highest office in the united states we we, uh, we really wanted to celebrate the women um and and the great strides they're making so because of that 96th anniversary of women receiving the right to vote one of our producers lauren simpson spoke with the women in our community about the strides women are making In 1826, the first public high school for girls opened in New York. In 1930, women were given the right to vote, and shortly after, the Equal Pay Act was passed. This week marks the 96th anniversary of women receiving the right to vote, and Friday, August 26th, was National Women's Equality Day. My name is Lauren Simpson, and I'm a student at Brigham Young University, where I study business management. I didn't realize before this year that Women's Equality Day was a nationally recognized holiday, And when I heard about it, I was amazed at how far women have come in the last 96 years. Today, women balance careers and families, and as a girl, I love to hear from women that I can look up to. We had the opportunity to ask Michelle Wall, the National Mother of the Year, what she thinks about all of the achievements women have made in recent years. I I think that we've come so far. I just did a Girl Scout unit with my girls. I have Girl Scouts who are at the junior level, and it was the idea of the end of the unit, they were supposed to understand that girls can do anything and really embrace that. And one of the activities challenged the girls to think about stereotypes that impact women. Some of the examples cited in the material were, you know, maybe girls aren't good at sports or maybe girls aren't good at math. And my Girl Scouts were severely offended by this. Because that's not the mentality that they've been raised in. And to me, that brought so much joy because I think during the time that I've been raised, those stereotypes have all been in the process of being broken down. I mean, you see Olympic heroes and you see scientists and engineers and mathematicians who are women who serve as role models for these girls. Michelle bringing up that we're breaking down stereotypes is accurate. Women continue to reach new levels, and although there are still many male-dominated professions, women are getting involved. Only 12.1% of engineers are female. So we spoke with Brandy Bond, a female engineer, on what it was like getting into her profession. At first, it can be intimidating. I think you walk into your first class, civil engineering class, and you think to yourself, one, two, three, four, five, oh my gosh, I'm one of six girls, this is crazy. 
But then after a while, it becomes less of a scare and more of a confidence boost because you're like, I got an A. He got an A. We can totally do this. Let's rock this. And eventually, you'll see that you being so different brings something that employers love. They love the fact that your mentality is different from majority of the people in your field. And that gives you a bigger shot. At least I think it does. And it's definitely been a very big push and a very big help. Times are changing and women are changing with it. And I love that. It's so empowering to know that I can have a job. I can vote. I can do these things that men used to only do. As the times change, I feel thankful to grow up in a country where I can do anything. And I don't feel that I'm at any type of disadvantage due to my gender. Detectives and criminal investigators are another male-dominated field with only 19.2% female, but it's continuing to rise. Courtney Hughes is the Victim Services Coordinator for the Provo Police Department. It's taken me a long time. It's taken me a lot of years to get to this point where I realized that other women are not my competition. They're, I'm doing something I love. I'm doing something that makes me happy. My children are grown. I have beautiful grandchildren. I've made a success of my personal life. And now professionally, I just feel like it's my job to go out there and not just our victims, but my staff, the other people I work with in the social service industry who are some of the most giving, wonderful people you'll ever meet that just give them themselves all day, every day. I feel like now that's it's my turn to support them. It's my turn to build them up into a position where they can feel like they too have got it all. I look forward to exploring my own career and seeing where it takes me. These three women, Michelle Wall, Brandy Bond, and Courtney Hughes, are all amazing examples of what women can do. Well done, Lauren, and thank you again for the great uh, the time you you put to, to to make that happen. Again, it's so powerful to to see these younger generations being raised with the idea that there's nothing on earth that you can't do. I have a 23 year old daughter that has started her own business. It's thriving, very successful, and I look at her and I think, "You're 23. I, apparently, you didn't know that what you couldn't do." Um, she just does it. She's amazing. And then I look at her mother, who's so strong. My my mom, who raised us uh, as a single parent, um, strong female that taught us some powerful things. I look at grandparents, a great, great, great grandmother that crossed the plains in uh, with a handcart as a single woman bringing her family to the West. And folks... If if you still think that uh, women can't and aren't the equal to every man, come on, it's it's time to uh, it's time to open your eyes. I also love the fact that my children don't necessarily see that it can't happen. Other generations, even my generation, had to have the glass ceiling broken for them. I guess in their mindset, their paradigm of what a woman could do, but my daughter never questioned it ever. It's not about a girl thing. It's not about a boy thing. She can beat you in ping pong. She can beat you in tennis. She can beat you in any game on the field. And she'll beat you in business. But she'd rather work with you. It's, uh, again, it's no longer just a gender equality issue. It's a human issue. It always has been. It affects us all. And when we elevate our women, we elevate our world. There's some amazing research we've talked about on the show before. When women are educated and they have health care and they are taken care of, the entire population is elevated with them. So shout out to all the women. 
that we love, we care for, and that are leading us to better places. Thank you for your power. We'll take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you see the good in the world. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Today's episode of the Matt Townsend Show is brought to you by Cronuts. Cronuts. So good, you'll step over a dead body to get one. Mm-hmm, and How? Welcome to the show, folks. Dr. Matt here. Hour number three of the program, now sponsored by Cronuts, the croissant donut. So good you'll step over a dead body for it. Happened to ha- That actually did happen in New York City. People lined up for Cronuts while a dead body, a corpse, was lying right there next to him by the line. Mm, those must be some good donuts. Welcome to the program. Man, have we got a great hour for you today. This is the show where we give you the information, the tools you need to live healthier, happier lives uh, and raise healthier families as well. Today, we've got a, quite the lineup with we will be talking with Kim Giles about um, how to help your children with anxiety, especially as they're starting school. Some, ki- some tools if your child suffers a bit of the social anxiety. And uh, just the, the, the information you need to, to, to make it work. Also, and it might actually be what induces some anxiety in, in your children, we will be talking about the, a new innovative way to uh, use the tooth fairy to get your kids to do more of what you need done. Uh, some parents wrote a letter from the tooth fairy to their child who wasn't upholding the contract and uh, – Made some major things happen. We will get to that. Plus, of course, BYU Sports Nation will be joining us. We'll do a little uh, setup, find out what's going to be on their show. I want, I'm interested in finding out how ready the Cougars are for Arizona on Saturday. Football starts, folks. We'll get to that as, as well as doing the hero story as we always do. We always like to end the show with a hero. But first, let's get to Sadie Nielsen, our very own hero. Find out what's going on with the headlines around the country. Sadie? Well, thank you, Matt. Um, So your news around the country today. A student was fatally stabbed during a large fight at Cornell University early Sunday morning, police say. The victim, a student at nearby Ithaca College, was one of the two people stabbed outside a Cornell building that houses dormitories and classrooms. The other student had a non-life-threatening injury uh, from multiple stab wounds. Police have recovered the murder weapon but have yet to take any suspects into custody. The United States will fulfill its goal of accepting 10,000 Syrian war refugees on Monday when when several hundred immigrants will arrive from Jordan. The U.S. has committed to a Syrian resettlement program which will accept 10,000 refugees fleeing the ongoing civil war in Syria by the end of the 2016 fiscal year. The program focuses on Syria's most vulnerable, vulnerable populations, including people facing violence and those who need medical care. The latest group of refugees will resettle in California and Virginia. A Southwest Airlines engine appeared to explode during a Saturday flight from New Orleans to Orlando. Midway through the flight, the 99 passengers and five crew members on the Southwest Southwest flight 3472 heard a boom from the engine, followed by clouds of smoke. When the smoke cleared, they saw the left engine blown up as though it had exploded. The body of the plane was sustained had sustained damage. Ooh. 
mm-hmm, causing oxygen masks to drop from the ceiling. The plane made an emergency landing and is being investigated for what the airline is describing as a mechanical issue with a number one engine. Wow. And finally, yes, the mechanical issue being the fire and explosion. That always yeah. seems like a big deal. Pay attention to it's fire. Like, it's while... like a filter issue. No. Something exploded. Go yeah. on. Sorry. <laughs> okay. One more, Terry. Firemen in Norway came to the rescue of a man who climbed into an outdoor public toilet mm. to retrieve a friend's cell phone after he got stuck in uh-huh. the tank. Ah. He was down there for an hour, and he was panicking. He added that there were animals crawling onto his body. And after several failing attempts to get to the top, his friends called for help and got him out. But unfortunately, the lost phone was not recovered. Yeah. This was a uh, outhouse that was cleaned, as the article I read, seasonally. And so there were things living down there. So she said animals, bugs, they don't know. That. Things bit him. That's a friend for you. Drop your phone and just go dive headfirst into a latrine. Okay, obviously it was a girlfriend. No, he got in. Norwegian guys. Hey, buddy, will you climb in there? And I mean, I would do it, but um, (laughs) I have allergies. (laughs) So gross. That is who climbs in a. Who does that? Apparently, he had a tattoo that said "anarchy" on his neck, so he was like, you know, fights the power. Climbing into latrines. Apparently didn't fight the power enough. Oh. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> it's I, a horrible story. I know. Why are we telling that? Thank you, Sadie. Um, that is crazy. That's a good friend, I guess. But you, the phone was gone. There's this no is way. why you pay for insurance for your phone. Insure your phone. The firefighters had to dismantle the latrine completely to get uh. him out. Because, you know, humans aren't supposed to go in there. Yeah. Just the pumper truck. It's kind of a one-way, it's like a one-way ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just, oh, such a bad story. Crazy. <laughs> that was in Norway? I believe so. Yeah. You know, just a little Norway problem. What did he say to him when he was rescuing him? What did the fire department say? They didn't interview the fire department. But they should have. What do you say when you're trying to get a guy out of a blue tank? I, I don't Keep know your mouth closed. <laughs> you may be giving a little bit more credit. Here's audio from the rescue. You and this fellow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they said. I don't know if they said you who. You who? Probably not. You who? You okay down there? Yeah. <laughs> but it's one thing to be down there. It's another thing to have like animals crawling on you or something. Well, what animal? I've talked to you before. I've watched episodes of The X-Files. There's some <sighs> weird things going on. That is some weird, weird blue stuff. <laughs> okay, uh, crazy story about the Tooth Fairy. Philadelphia couple took a unique approach to getting their son to do their chore, to do his chores. An official-sounding and somewhat threatening letter from the Tooth Fairy. Oh, wow. Like ultimatum type thing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Here's how the letter reads. I'm getting sleepy. Dear Elliot... Thank you for the return of your fourth molar. The return. Here is payment upon receipt, the agreed-upon sum of $5, five American dollars. Wow. Yeah. By leaving your tooth out for one of our tooth adjusters, Mm. you, the toothy, oh boy, it's getting ugly, have entered into a contractual obligation to perform measured work herein known as chores. See, it seems like 
we're losing the music as the, yeah. as the letter gets darker. The joy is falling apart. Please see the attached addendum for an updated list of these chores. Hmm. We have been notified by your parental units that these obligations have frequently gone uncompleted and often have not been requested, have, have to be requested multiple times before they are in fact done. If these obligations are not fully completed without demand in the specified time frame every day after school or camp, we'll have no recourse but to repossess all of your remaining teeth. Wow. By force, if necessary, with no repayment to you. The most comfortable solution for all three parties involved, tooth adjusters, toothee, and parental units, is for you, the toothee, to do your chores as expected on time every day. How old's this kid? Does it say? It doesn't say, but he's definitely is this like going enha- to need some therapy. It's, like enha- it's either a cross between some mob movie yeah. and like enhanced interrogation. When you're talking about forced teeth removal. I'll always end with the last line, the power line. Do not make us come take your teeth. <laughs> wow. Warm regards, the offices of the Tooth and Fairy wow. LLC Tooth Adjusters. Wow. That's a little aggressive by the Tooth Fairy there. They will... They will. They'll have no recourse but to possess, repossess all of your teeth. Does it say by force? Uh huh. That sounds like by force, if necessary. Enhanced interrogation. Yeah. With no repayment to you. Wow. This is why we have to talk about anxiety in our children mm-hmm. with Kim Giles from Clarity Point Coaching because we are sending letters like this via the Tooth Fairy. Right. Not we aren't. The Tooth Fairy is right. The, they'll have to reclaim your teeth. Wow. What's happening to this world? Yeah. People get caught in blue water, helping out a buddy. I think you're giving a little bit too much credit calling it blue water. <laughs> this is only cleaned seasonally. Started blue. It sounds like it's um, you know, back up in the hills sort of campground, and they come up there every once in a while to clean up. Tooth Fairy from the Mafia. Yeah, the Mafia-related Tooth Fairy. I mean... I'll make them talk. How are these kids supposed to get ahead in life? How are they supposed to get a tooth in life? Yeah. And five bucks? Is that the going rate? That's the going rate. My kid's really underpaid. And it depends. If you've only got a 10, it's 10 bucks. Wow. Depends what you got. For a tooth? Mm Mm-hmm. Just letting you know. All right. I mean, I don't want to make you feel bad, but you guys are in a lot of trouble. If I don't have a one, they're going to get like... Yeah. Some gummy bears or something that whatever's in the cupboard. It's a dollar at most. Well, no, but it's That's not. What the tooth fairy this isn't between you guys and your kids. This is between the tooth fairy. That's what I'm telling. I mean, the tooth fairy. We had some deliberations oh, to figure out a meeting. price. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we figure a dollar is a good for, it, and the tooth fairy agreed. So that the going rate at the we, moment. But I've had a kid that wouldn't let me pull his to- his teeth. Oh yeah. But he had one that was so loose that we were afraid it would like be asphyxiated when he was inhaling. Right. So when he was asleep, we went in and we repossessed the tooth Mm. without him knowing. So 10 bucks, you must have like a union tooth fairy. We've got a non-union tooth fairy. Yeah, we got a union tooth fairy. And there's certain time that you can do it. You can't, they can't work overtime pulling teeth. What's the collective bargaining agreement with the tooth fairy like? It's not That's crazy. It's really hard. Yeah. And if if there's a problem, it automatically goes to arbitration. Mm. Instead of, you know, litigation. So it used to be a lot easier. And you know what? It's not even just the tooth fairy anymore. Now there's this elf on a shelf guy. Mm-hmm. He's got contracts. He's got representation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. What happened? Teamsters are getting involved. Oh, yeah. 
you don't want to mess with the tooth teamsters. They'll get you every time. But they all, they're all still voting Democrats. So. There you go. Hey, um, any other headlines we need to be paying attention to? Is Facebook still on the naughty back, list? A few months back, Facebook had this issue where they have, if you open up on your desktop computer or laptop, yeah, it's a little difficult to find it on a mobile device, on a tablet or phone. But hmm. on a desktop or laptop, you open Facebook, and up in the upper right-hand corner, it's called Trending Topics. Really? Right. So up there, at first it was supposed to be automated where these topics came from, and then it turned out they actually had a staff of people who were curating these right. topics. Right. And what it is, it give you a headline, and then it give you like a one-sentence sort of descriptor of why this is causing excitement or whatever. And it was all brought on because during the Ferguson, uh, Oklahoma riots that were going on, you go to Facebook to see what's going on, and they were talking about the Ice Bucket Challenge up in the (laughs) trending topics, not what was trending in the news. So they decided we need to kind of jump in and make this work better. And so they they were helping it along, and then there came out some allegations that they were biased, that anything Republican or conservative-leaning was being filtered out Mm -hmm. because Facebook's liberal, we don't like this stuff. Yeah. It was kind of the idea, the message. Facebook denies it, comes out, brings in a bunch of conservative talkers like Glenn Beck and stuff. They right. went to Facebook and they had this like confab meeting and they all decided this is the best thing we could do and free speech and blah, 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 wave the flag. <laughs> Everyone's happy. Right. Well, now Facebook has decided to make another adjustment. And now if you go to your Facebook page, that upper right-hand corner, trending topics, is just the title and then it tells you like 6,000 people are talking about it. Oh, so it gives you data. Yeah. You don't know why – Someone is listed, why a topic is important. Oh, it just gives you the name, and then if you highlight it, with you put your, your cursor yeah. over it, a window pops up and gives you a descriptor. Okay. So, but And that's protecting them by making it more, I guess, backed with data they also, now. And- as this says, they took the 14 or 15 guys who were curating, or staff members who were curating that list, last Friday told them at 4 o'clock when the news came out they were fired and they needed to be out of the building by 5. You get two weeks severance. Holy cow. And they took that whole staff that was doing trending topics, showed them out the door. Now some engineers go in and just kind of make sure everything's running correctly. But apparently it's totally automated. You don't need a curation department anymore. And for me, it's before I'd never really looked at it. And right. then you kind of look over and read a title now or something. Now you pay attention Now to there's a name there, and I don't even care because you don't know what the topic is. You just see a name. This makes me think I need to be on Facebook a little more to, to know what's going on here. No, they're just trying to correct. I think they may have overcorrected. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't but, be the yeah, first time. They're just trying to get away from being seen as being biased. <sighs> Do you remember the days we didn't have to worry about any of this? That was great. When all the worst thing that could happen to you in the day would be you'd fall into a latrine and to have to find your phone in there. Right. Or negotiate with the tooth fairy. Yeah. The world's a changing, folks. Holy cow. That's why we're here. To give you the information you need. When you need it. And hopefully uh, steer you clear of some of the big dramas. Like today. We, we kept you away from the tooth fairy problems. We'll take a break. When we come back, Kim Giles will be guiding us through how to help your children with anxiety especially as they're starting school again. Stick with us, folks. The Matt Townsend Show, helping you see the good in the world. (music) 
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In studio with us today is Kim Giles. She is a president and founder of Clarity Point Life Coaching, also a popular life coach, coach, author, speaker, named one of the top 20 advice gurus in the country uh, on Good Morning America back in 2010, has since been named on the Matt Townsend Show one of the top advice gurus in the intergalactic region. Yeah, it gets better every time I'm on the it's show. It's huge. Thank you, Which Matt. is a big deal because we – I don't know if you know you heard the show, but we um, interviewed Maurice Pluto, Mo, Plo, Mo Pluto, we call him, the planet Pluto, which was a dwarf – was made a dwarf planet 10 years ago and we wanted to talk to him about his wow. issues. He's a little bummed about it still yeah. 10 years later. <laughs> and uh, he was talking about how they're talking about you as one of the great coaches out in the Pluto region. Isn't that cool? Dwarf my, planet, my reach Pluto. is far. It's huge. Yeah. How's uh, how are you? I'm You're doing healthy. Great. You're happy. Yeah. You're talking anxiety today. Why? I, I am. Well, you know, we're running a, a depression anxiety program um, at Clarity Point Coaching right now, and everywhere I go, and I bring up the topic, I have ten parents say, "Oh my gosh, I have a child with anxiety. Yeah. I have a child. Yeah, my son suffers from that." So it's. It's huge. It's huge right now. Right. Well, and, it, and it's apparently going to be more and more and more and more and more. That's because of the technology, and we are stressing our kids out. We are. And after hearing about the Tooth Fairy letter yeah. on the segment previous, oh, <laughs> yes, it's scary. We're scaring our it's kids. Scary. But what what do we do? How do we? I mean, because some of these kids just and it's normal, right? Going back to school, they're anxious. New class, new teacher, new fears, new insecurities. How do we not? Just, I mean, some of that's natural, right? And then some it seems exaggerated. Yeah, yeah, and we'll talk about that. Um, so the first most important thing, if your child's having anxiety, especially panic attacks, and that kind of thing, is that we don't add shame onto yeah. it. And you have to handle it very carefully so that you're not making a big deal about it. Right. And you're you're letting them know that some anxiety and fear is normal. Everybody experiences it, especially in a new place with new people. This is very normal feelings to have. You know, just just make sure that you're not talking about, boy, what's wrong with you? I yeah. can't, you know. Come on, man up. Snap at it. Right. <laughs> yeah, not going to help at all if we make them feel You will stress terrible. them out even more. Right. And all of us have had times that we've been anxious. So we just need to talk about how normal it is. Another thing I found with any type of mental illness, if people believe that you believe that this isn't a big deal and that they can get out of it, yeah. they'll do much better right. than if you're worried. Right. So if, you're, if your child is hearing you talk about this to lots of people and you're freaking out about it, it's not going to help. You almost need to play it down yeah. to some degree and let them know, you know, this is normal stuff, but you're strong, you're smart, you're going to be able to get past this. I'm not really worried about you. You've you've got this. Let them uh-huh. feel that you have confidence. Have you heard that before with oh, totally. therapy? With Normalize therapy, it. even mm-hmm. yeah. And if I, they feel you believe in them, yeah. then they do better, right? And and it's um, you also see though the weird thing is a lot of these children with anxiety have a parent that's really anxious. So it's yes. so the parent induces a lot of anxiety by like, by kind of pointing out how weird they are. Like, why aren't you with your friends? Why aren't you out more? Why aren't you doing this? Your your friends are doing this. Why aren't you doing this? Why? 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 And this why, is really why? the parents' anxiety that exactly. something's wrong, right? Yeah. So I always say, especially when I get parents who come and say, can you help my child, that often we need to work with you first. Yeah. 
Because if you have fear issues and right. are anxious, there's nothing I can do for your child until you calm down. Because you're part of the issue here. Really? You're totally. Part of the, the reinforcement of it. Yeah. yeah. So normalize it. That's such a – and you got this. We'll, we'll figure this out. Yeah. The other thing is that when the child is calm, not in a panic attack, but in a calm moment – Explain what anxiety is about and why it happens and what goes on with our body. Explain that we all have this fight or flight response. And when when our brain perceives a threat, we go into that and it makes us breathe really fast. And it you know, gives you all these feelings. But this is a normal reaction to your body. Yeah. The problem is that sometimes there's not really a threat. You're not really in danger. And this response in your body is meant to you know, help you outrun a mountain lion, or right, right, right. Deal with a deal with a real threat. R- real threat. So we've got to kind of recognize that sometimes our body gets tricked, and our brain thinks we're in danger when we really aren't. Yeah. And and help them just understand the physiology behind it. It just doesn't work to do that in the middle of the panic attack, right? right? But yeah. but if we talk about it when it, when they're calm, we can teach them to ask this question: Is this thing I'm afraid of real? Or is there some imagination stuff going on creating this scenario? Is it really happening or am I just afraid it might? Mm. And have them start kind of cognitively working through that from a logical place when they're not anxious. Well, see, and there's a lot of work you should do, I guess, when they're not anxious because then they can they can recall it when they get anxious. Right. right? So we try to fix it only when it comes up. But they're already That's not anxious. the time to fix it. Yeah, this is not the time. <laughs> now, That's I do great. believe if they're in the panic attack, yeah. one of the things you can do, I call help them come to their senses. Mm. Where Toes to- them off. You spray them down. <laughs> and ask them how cold they are. <laughs> is that freezing or what? That would distract them. <laughs> it would. But sometimes if you can get them to close their eyes hmm. and pay attention to what they can smell right now. Or what they can hear right now. What do, you, what do you hear? If you can get them to use their other senses, it uses a different part of our brain yeah. and will calm this part down. Um, I once took my daughter outside and sat on the porch and said, okay, what do you feel? Close your eyes. Do you feel the wind? Um, what do you hear? And and getting focused on those things really does kind of help and get them to... Well, I guess that too brings them to the present moment, right? Because a lot of anxiety is about a worry about tomorrow or later yeah, or in a minute. Yeah, something that might something, happen. Something down. But that brings them to right now. Yeah, you mentioned you, you've taught that with your son. Our son, yeah. He's, get present. He always – he had started in kindergarten. We were dropping him off. Uh, all of our kids loved going to kindergarten. They ran in. No big deal. And then this one – just basically said, heck no, we're not doing this. Yeah. This is ridiculous. And <laughs> it was bad. It was hard. And Aww. then every day it became this torturous moment of we are horrible parents because we're just leaving him and they're just ripping him out of our van. It was yeah. pretty stressful. Well, you feel like yeah. you're committing child abuse. Yeah. Pulling him out of the van and forcing him to go while they cry like they're being sent. But he figured it out. And he, he learned – everyone has to learn their method, right? And they have to learn to read their own vibes mm-hmm. and their own emotion. And it worked. I mean, it's he, he has to work it every day. But it works. It does work. Yeah, it's cool. So, guys, don't lose hope right. that you and your child can get this figured out, and there are there definitely are answers. Now, you, um, in fact, let's do this. Let's take a break. But you met somebody that that found answers 
with yeah. with a, just an er, just a kind of I guess an herbal, a very natural homeopathic. So yeah, we okay. can talk about that. We'll come back and continue that. Folks, there's answers out there for this anxiety. Some of it's just awareness, right? But learning to be present. More with Kim Giles from Clarity Point Coaching. You can go to her website, claritypointcoaching.com. Get all the greatest, latest information there. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Addressing anxiety. My anxiety. It's always the same. Welcome back, everybody. Little Mel Brooks. <laughs> lounge. It's a lounge song about high anxiety, which isn't, you wouldn't think you'd be playing that at a piano bar. Yeah, that was an interesting intro song. <laughs> that's, that's Jeff right there. <laughs> Jeff brings us the great hits that many of us miss. Today joining us is Kim Giles, president and founder of Clarity Point Life Coaching. You can go to her website, claritypointcoaching.com. Today she's talking about helping your children with anxiety, especially as they're starting school. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a big stressful. deal. And, and if you don't learn to do it, you have to learn eventually to manage your anxiety. You can learn now. We can learn younger. We can learn older. Some people just want to medicate it. Just yeah, and I medicate I, you, it. Try other things first before yeah. you resort to that. With all the side effects, I mean, you can't have a medication without side effects. Right. Well, and how many people desirable. just have a drink in the after, in the evening, early evening, to just ah, take that edge off? Just take that edge off, or other drugs to just take the edge off. Just yeah, or some chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> Just to take the edge off. None of those are real good solutions, no. though. There's are a better they? way to do it. Yeah. Talk to us. So I, when I was in India in May, I ran into this woman who does homeopathy all over the world. And outside the U.S., it's a lot more common than, than right. what we have here. Right. But she came up with some homeopathic remedies for depression and anxiety and and the more we talked about them, I'm like, I have so many clients that might benefit from this. I got to try this. Right. So we tried it first with my daughter, and she is a completely different girl. Um, it, it, her it social helped. anxiety is gone. She's wow. out there, and they're just all natural drops. The cool thing is that they taste like water. I mean, there's no flavor. You can put yeah. them in your child's water, orange juice every morning. And and they've been amazing. So we and they're just they're natural uh, the drops. Homeopathy or homeopathic medicine or supplements. Supplements is a better way to put it. Yeah, and it actually decreases anxiety. It totally. You, and you've seen it change I've your seen, daughter. Oh yeah, and everybody that we've worked with the last month with them. So I've got a lot of information on our website, claritypointcoaching.com, under natural solutions. They can look at our store uh, because we're we're bringing the – we have so much depression and anxiety in our community. And and I've heard the altitude that we live at might have something to do with that, but it's it's very common. No, it's very common. Yeah, and we hate to see these kids feel this way. Now – on top of that, I do recommend that you work with them on the cognitive yeah, part, too. the skills, too. right? Absolutely. Because yeah. there's a lot of things they can do other than medicate, just like you were explaining earlier, cognitively learning to notice what you're feeling and, and be present in it. Absolutely. And we need to have a lot of talks with them about exactly what they're afraid of. And, and that you'll find that's very different for different kids. There's all different types of 
psychology, mm-hmm. psychological inclinations in people. And so we, our fear and anxiety is about different things. And you really want to figure out what it is for your child. Is it a fear of not having control? And, and, he, and he literally feels unsafe in an environment where he doesn't have control. Yeah. Or is it a fear of being embarrassed and looking bad? And the solutions in coaching or therapy with each person end up kind of different. So we need to really ask a lot of questions, do a lot of listening, especially when the child is not anxious. Mm-hmm. Ask some more questions about what the triggers are. See if you can figure out what they're really afraid of. And then we can work on changing some perspectives about those things. Yeah. So you hear me talk a lot about the fear of not being good enough, which for a lot of us is a trigger. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right? That fear of failure. And and there's some amazing things that we can do to help you change the way you see human beings and yeah. their value and that you see everybody is having the same value and your value isn't changeable. So no matter what anybody thinks of you or no matter what happens today, your value is the same. But these are things you've got to work with your child on every day when they're not anxious to change the core belief about their value so mm. that they're not as scared about not looking good. Right. So there's a, there's a lot of things on both ends. And I think the homeopathic remedies kind of take the edge off and, and get them calm enough that you can really work on those things. But I think you got to do both. Because and, – and I think the research even proves that. The best methods um, – I mean if you have to deal with medicine is to always still be getting therapy, some cognitive side of it. Because you know you can't just keep amping up meds. At some point, you also need to learn – other coping skills and preventative skills, anticipation skills. Absolutely. Like being really well prepared could also help you alleviate some anxiety. I notice a lot of my clients that have ADHD have anxiety, but they have anxiety because they're ADHD. They, they yeah. can't remember I, I what they're supposed they're to remember. Together. <laughs> and so all of a sudden you're like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So let's learn some other skills. Definitely. It's cool. Yeah, we want to figure out if if this fear is about something that we can do something about, then right. let's do something about it. And I guess that's that's the fear is but it's also familial. You might have a mother that had anxiety and they didn't know as much as we now know about anxiety. But if you don't figure it out and your child doesn't figure it out, somebody's the down cycle the line will, continue. will have to figure this out. Yeah. yeah. Hey, one other technique when they're in a panic attack. I had a therapist recently say he hands them a box of tissues. And one by one, they have to rip a tissue out and throw it hard as they can across the room. And he'll let them go through a whole box of, of tissue that way. And it gets out the pent-up anxious energy yeah. and it doesn't break anything. You know, you just throw those uh-huh. babies as far as you can throw them. And that's that's, <laughs> that's a, a great, great way to get the yeah. pent-up energy out. And I also believe you've got to teach your child some diaphragmatic breathing mm-hmm. or some ways to calm themselves. So if they have an attack when you're not around, they've got more tools and skills about how to deal with right. it. Right, because a lot of times you're holding back on your breathing. Your diaphragm stiffens. You're not breathing as deeply, which actually makes your body anxious. Yeah, because you lack it worse. oxygen. And it's so simple to learn to breathe, pushing your yeah. stomach out. I as like fat it because then you, you got can. this huge belly. Yeah, and it feels good. It totally does. And immediately, and in two or three breaths, you feel some of the tension release. You're done. Yeah. Now, be careful. So, You'll get lightheaded. So don't do too don't much of it. Do it sitting down. Um, and actually, there is a worksheet on my website on the Natural Solutions page for a body relaxing um, 
all different techniques that you could try and, and find one that works for your kid. Great stuff. Go to ClarityPointCoaching.com, Natural Solutions page, and then it's just tons of information. Again, like all of your stuff. I know. Most of it's free. Most of it's free. And <laughs> Go check fun, it out. Fun, good information. Kim, thanks. This is good insight. Thanks, And they Matt. can, again, find you at Clarity Point Coaching anytime they want, claritypointcoaching.com. We'll take a break, folks, and get to our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody. A little Whitney Houston for you. That was a big moment. National anthem of the Super Bowl performance in 1991. And the national anthem's making sports news uh, today and yesterday as well. Let's go down to our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up on their show, Spencer and Jerem. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Matthew. The greatest national anthem ever. Wasn't that beautiful? Of all time. Steve Young has a fantastic story about that moment, about hearing that national anthem, and then his expectations for the national anthem when he played in the Super Bowl, and it just it just didn't live up to the hype. It was it three years later. I gone. <laughs> and by the way, 49ers, we're talking about that. Ka- yep. uh, Colin, is that his name? Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick. Yep. What, uh, what do you think? Not standing up. You know what? We were just talking about this. Uh, my first idea was... I wish that, okay, one, he has a right to do that. We sure. live in a country where he has a right to do that. He has a right to not stand up, right? Doesn't uh, have we to. We also have a right to not be happy with that in the public forum. People right? are burning their jerseys. They have a right to do that. They have a right to do that. Um, I, wish, I wish that he would express his displeasure with how uh, African Americans are treated in the country in another way. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's what I wish, but I will respect his right. Uh, to not stand up. Yeah. I it mean, that's... Means, I don't it like means it, so much. Like, the national anthem means so much to people and for all that have died and sacrificed. Oh. And it's just... It is a direct shot across the bow at members of the military. Right. And that's why you see soldiers that are like, hey, I came back from Afghanistan and I don't have any legs. No legs. I'll stand up for I'll both stand of up us. for both of us. And mm-hmm. it's like... Uh, I'm with Jerem. Like, I have zero issue with him promoting something in a different way, but don't use the national anthem to get your message, message right. out. And, and you're a public figure. You are, you are making yourself even more polarizing. He's already a He's polarizing already polarized. player in the NFL. Yeah. Like, now it's just like... <sighs> See, I think, I think you're right on. I mean, Jeez. that's it. He's, again, he also, he, you know, the franchises must be frustrated, too, because... This this is a big deal, right? You can't have a lot of people hating you and and make, you know, the season go well. Do you think that the 49ers want to deal with that headache? No. And then who else He's going to have a tough enough time winning the starting job there. If he doesn't win the starting job, I could see a ton of scenarios where he's not even playing on sure. the 49ers this season. He's hanging season. out with Tebow and Manziel. Yes. <laughs> That's right. And honestly, again, he could still have his views and, and just say him another way and then yes. proudly stand for your country. And I don't know, it gives you more power in your messaging. Man, what I mean, that when, when we were younger in the 90s, there was a player named Chris Jackson who converted to uh, Islam, who uh, then changed his name to Mahmoud Abdul Rauf. He did this in the NBA. 
he w- he turned his back and right. wouldn't, wouldn't put his hand over his heart. And so this isn't the first time a uh, high profile athlete has done this. And then he the, didn't he they they worked with him and talked to him and he just he could then bow his head during the anthem yeah. and they, pray, which is, which is pretty commonplace. Right. Now, now right. I mean I. I broadcast games. Spencer does games. We see the athletes during the anthem all the time, and not everyone puts their hand over their heart in that moment or even right. looks up. They're kind of focusing in the moment, and no one thinks otherwise in that moment. See? So there are ways you could – he wants to make a splash, and he has done so. I knew you guys would have an opinion, mm. and you nailed it. Did you hear about the Utah uh, team that had to forfeit their Sunday game in Little League Softball World Series? They had to, or yeah, they chose to. They chose to. Okay, they chose to forfeit it. Uh, but uh, you know, what do you think? The, to me, it sounded echoes of the fears of the BYU Big Twelve deal. Can't play on Sunday. It's an Don't interesting bring them thing in. because, as an institution, BYU does not play on Sunday. But there are a lot of BYU grads who do participate in sports on Sunday. Right, Steve Young. Did. They're never really discussed as being, you know, as an institutional different than the aims of an individual. Mm-hmm. But, um. Yeah, they, famously there have been no Sunday play for not only BYU but certain individuals. But Taylor Sander won a bronze medal on the quote unquote Sabbath, right? Right. Religion, and uh, that's you know you you could debate whether that Jared Ward ran the marathon. Right. Jared Ward ran his Sixth best place. marathon ever on a Sunday. And, yeah, on a Sunday. So, when when people come up to me at church on Sunday and say, "Hey, can I talk to you about one of my relationship issues?" I'm like, "Not on Sunday." <laughs> Sorry. Get, call me Monday. I'll charge you then. Yeah, that, it is an interesting topic. But what do you do? Hey, is is BYU, I think they got something going on this Saturday. Mm, we, yeah. we made it. We made it. Well, you've, almo- you've, you've almost made it. It's game week, No, no, no. Matt, we've we made it, made it the, the, to the, game week. The official prep and <sighs> game notes and plans for <laughs> our pregame show called Countdown to Kickoff Saturday night are in order. That's at 9.30 Eastern time. By the way, if you're local or you're going to be in town, we have uh, a studio audience for our pregame show. Really? Hosted by one Spencer Linton. <gasps> hey. So, so coming up hey. in 10 minutes on BYUtv.org slash audience, BYUtv.org slash audience, you can sign up. Holy cow. Or just show up and say Spencer sent you. I'm dead serious. And they can come, and, and they'll be in the studio, and we'll get really awesome live shots of them with their styrofoam finger. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And they'll get free pizza at halftime, and they'll be on TV, and they'll watch the game on a 27-foot screen. I guarantee you no one else has a bigger screen that they'll be able to watch the game This on. is In huge. I did not know about this. That, that, How did you not know this? Huh? I, I don't think they announce things at You're BYU invited, Matt. Your whole you family is invited. I totally would. Eight and up. Okay. Goodness. That's a little early. What time do we have to start? 7.30 Mountain is when the show okay. begins. Okay. You need to be there at 7.00. We'll wow. allow you to show up at 720. All right. Thank you. Only you. Thank Only you. you. So, so we've got the week. <laughs> it has started. It's going to happen. What do you think? Holy cow. That is the topic of our conversation today, specific to the offense of Ooh. BYU and new offensive coordinator Ty Demmer. What do you expect from the BYU offense? Perfection. Against the University of Arizona. It is so compelling because BYU traditionally – in this scenario with a new offense and a new offensive coordinator, in the last 15 years, they have struggled against Power 5 opponents. And it's understandable because there's so much new involved. Yeah. But you don't have Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams every year as fifth-year seniors. So what do you expect? Right. <laughs> do you know what I expect? 
I expect perfection because it's Ty Detmer. <laughs> that guy, he's because that guy was perfection. He no. had like BYU had like five turnovers when they beat Miami. Did they really? But yeah, he just, but he, just, he just made it happen, didn't crummy he? Crummy offensive yeah. game, but defensively they were fantastic. Do you think he already knows his first series of plays? I bet you he has a pretty good idea, because the point of his being the offensive coordinator and play caller is to do it in the games. Exactly. So I, I bet you he's thought out. Okay. This I'll start with nice. this one. This would be nice. This would be nice. Get him in the sink. Yeah. See? Like, like okay. I've had all summer to think about what we're going to do on the pregame show. I have a pretty good stinking <laughs> idea what we're going to do already. You, I'm pretty sure Before you didn't I think about it down, all summer. Because I go to bed at night and I think, oh, that'd be awesome to do that with Taysom. Okay. Yeah. I've seen how you guys put your show together, and a lot of it I don't think – I think it was all invented that day. <laughs> That's actually true. I know. We come in in the morning and go, what but are because we doing today, But you're pinky? pros. But we do that every day. We do countdown <laughs> to kickoff once a week. Right. You yeah. know? Right, yeah. right, right. And, and I did compare my play call or my producing ability to Ty Detmer as a play caller. So that was weird. I apologize. To that seemed that. a little extreme right there. <laughs> I didn't want to point that out, but that seemed like, are you kidding me? No, that's good. You guys have got the, you've got the talent. Anything else on the show that we need to pay attention to? ESPN's <sighs> Trevor Maddich will join us. Mm. What, what he says is a good uh, win total for a, f- quote, phenomenal season. Mm-hmm. Also, Elena Medeiros of the women's soccer team. I don't know if you heard. No. They went back east and beat the defending national champions on the what? road. Holy Fifth ranked cow. Penn State. Oh! So they are on fire. <laughs> She'll be in studio. Okay. And we have four pairs of tickets to the BYU-Arizona game we are going to give away this week. We'll tell you how to win them. And, by the way, isn't that just a BYU game? Because in, it's in Arizona, but no one in Arizona is showing up, I guess. <laughs> Well, yet to be determined, but we'll uh, I mean, we're, we're going to hope to give them the BYU fans. That's I think good. It's the idea. That's good. I get it. I get it. <laughs> okay, guys, sounds like a great show, and uh, and you just again, you amaze me at your abilities and your gifts. Thanks Thank for you, sharing Matthew. them. Go have a great day. Go, go wax. You got to get ready. Yeah, hey, I could use some marital advice, but of course not on a Sunday. Oh yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Please see my assistant. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Knocking <laughs> dead. Yeah, that's cool. I forgot. It is. We're talking six days away. Six days away. <sighs> if you've been waiting for football, folks, it's here. By the way, you don't just need football to win um, a record. The TSA, you know those people at the airport that frisk you till you just can't be frisked anymore? TSA had a record-breaking week last week. They found 81 guns in passenger carry-on bags last week alone. 81 guns. More firearms were found and confiscated from passengers' carry-on bags last week than in any other week in TSA history. That's according to the agency. From August 12th to August 18th, a total of 81 guns were found by screeners. A TSA blog post said Tuesday the agency said their previous record were uh, was um, seventy eight, so they beat it by three. It's a record, folks. We got another gun, <laughs> locked and loaded. Seventy of the guns, by the way, seventy of the eighty one guns were loaded. Eleven were unloaded, and uh, you know, so thirty one had live chambers. Ready in the in uh, live rounds in the chamber, ready to fire. Thirty-one. So, what about security at the airport? Are we not getting yet? Oh, I brought a gun. Seventy of the guns were loaded. 
Some still also had their ammo with them. But are you thinking you're just going to sneak that through still? Is that what's going on? But again, another record. And I mean, again, you can talk all you want about the Olympic records, the gold medals. But TSA, folks, still breaking records every single day. And that's thanks to you, you fellow humans that keep forgetting, oh, can I not bring a loaded gun? You think you got mad when they took your water bottle away. What do, they, what do you do when they take your $500 handgun away? That's a bad day. As long as it's not your cronut. But don't mess with my cronut. Uh, glad to have cronuts as sponsors today. Today's episode of the Matt Townsend Show is brought to you by Cronuts. Cronuts, so good, you'll step over a dead body to get one. Isn't that the truth? Again, that comes from a story that Cronuts is the croissant donut that is the crave all around the craze all around the country, folks. And in New York, where Cronuts were invented, people <laughs> lined up to get their Cronuts, and there was a dead body right next to the line we've got to get some in here we will we'll send our people send our people to get them in here as you know we always like to end with a hero story got a great uh hero story today trooper dc graham of west virginia state police bathes a fam uh, a baby that he found covered in vomit in the back seat of a car involved in a suspected dui tuesday night Listen to this guy. Princeton, out of Princeton, West Virginia. West Virginia State Trooper went above and beyond the call of duty Tuesday night, comforting and caring for a baby that he found in the back seat of a car that was involved in a traffic stop. Uh, West Virginia State Police Lieutenant Michael Bayless said the baby was found after troopers pulled over the suspected the, the suspect of driving under the influence on Oakvale Road in Princeton. The baby was covered in vomit. He took the baby home. And the one-year-old uh, back to uh, the uh, headquarters where the trooper gave him a bath in the break room. Wrapped him in a towel, then cradled him until Child Protective Services arrived. Trooper said it looked as though the baby had been sick for some time. Bayless said the baby is now uh, with a legal guardian and the driver faces charges with DUI uh, with a minor. Tragedy turned into something powerful by one trooper who just opened his heart up to care. How cool is that? Folks, that's the good news of the world is that there's people like, you know, Trooper Bayless out there uh, ready to help. And we couldn't, you know, we can't just expect everyone else to be the ones that step up. You are one of those heroes as well. So all of us, let's just pick up our game. Look out for those that are in need. Judge a lot less and appreciate people a lot more. And I think we can turn this world into something pretty amazing. We'll take, uh, you know, that's it. Well, that's the end of the show. We'll be back tomorrow. Just a little 20-hour break. Tomorrow we'll be back, 9 Eastern to noon Eastern. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Until then, take care of each other. Make it a great one, and we'll talk again tomorrow.